welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about a glistening love triangle, so you don't have to. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And for this episode, we read Eclipse by Stephanie Meyer. Joining us to drunkenly discuss the third Twilight book are Danielle, educator and Bella Swan apologist, and Caroline, love triangle expert and Twilight enthusiast. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. Hi, welcome back to Caroline, who is a repeat uh, Twilight enthusiast for us. Hello. And hello to Danielle, who's a first-time Twilight discusser with us. Hi. Glad to have some fresh blood here in our Twilight talk. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently there is an eclipse tonight. Uh, An actual lunar eclipse. Oh my god. How fancy. We are hashtag blessed. (laughs) <laughs> First, by the time you guys listen to this podcast the eclipse will be over and you will have missed it mm. <laughs> sorry so this is actually our second anniversary episode uh, we have now been doing this podcast consistently for two years which wow. is kind of amazing if you think about it it's a Yay. lot of books guys <laughs> it is a lot of very very bad books as is our, our tradition, uh, our very first episode, episode number one, was Twilight. And then for our first anniversary, we did New Moon. And so now, obviously, we got to keep it up with Eclipse, the third Twilight book. And uh, this is something we introduced with our New Moon episode, which was, if we're going to keep reading these Twilight books, we are going to maybe have to have a little bit of adult beverage in us to continue. So last year, we crowdsourced a Worst Bestsellers drinking game and played it while we recorded. And we are going to play that same game again tonight. So just to quickly review the rules, where Renata and I are going to read through them very quickly. Feel free to play along at home with either the adult beverage of your choice, or if you are underage or just don't care to drink, you know, with some water or whatever. So rule number one, anytime we say something that might jeopardize our relationship with our valued sponsor, ChristianMingle.com. Take a drink. Take a drink anytime we angrily defend something, even if we don't like it that much, a.k.a. this entire podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Take a drink anytime we favorably compare a character to Christian Grey. Anytime we apply lessons learned from self-help books. Anytime we reference any other book we've previously read. Oh, this is a big one for this book. Anytime we resent a character's mansplaining. Anytime we promote a movie or TV show over a book. Anytime we suggest specific ways to make the book better. Anytime anyone endorses fan fiction as being better than the book. (laughs) Anytime Renata, that's me, references something she heard on a podcast other than this one. Anytime Kate, that's me, says this was a book. Anytime we say literally. Anytime we call something garbage or trash. Anytime someone's cat interrupts. And finally, anytime our guests think that the book is much worse than Kate and Renata did because their standards have been so drastically altered by this podcast. I'm not sure that one's going to come into play tonight, but I guess we'll find out. I thought this book yeah. was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. So, before we dig into uh, a glistening love triangle, 
just as a point of anecdotal funny story, so we played this drunk drinking game for the last time last year with New Moon. I generally have a very high tolerance for drinking, so I figured that probably the best thing to do to make sure I was actually drunk during the game was to take a couple shots before we started. Uh, I did not realize how potent the actual drinking game would be. We do all of these things a lot as it as it happens. Um, so at, by the end, if you listen to that episode, you can hear the point where I take a turn. And I got drunker than I've ever been. And for the third time in my life, I got hungover. And for the first time in my life, it was the type of hangover where you get very sick the next day. Uh, so I ended up calling out of work to lie on the couch and be miserable. And coincidentally, that was the day that the Hamilton cast recording dropped on NPR. So all I did that day was lie on the couch, be miserable, curse Stephanie Meyer, and listen to Hamilton on repeat on NPR First Listen. What an important day for you. <laughs> uh, so I did not take any shots this time. I am not drinking heavy-handed dark and stormies because I can never drink a dark and stormy again. It has ruined that drink for me. Oh, no. I am just drinking French seventy fives, which is more my speed, and uh, we're gonna take it a little slower this time. Uh, I am drinking a dark and stormy because because I'm okay. <laughs> What are you guys drinking, Caroline and uh, Danielle? I'm drinking Epa Supra Fruta. It's spelled S-U-P-R-A, and it is organic sangria because I feel like the Collins would be fancy like that. Oh, totally. <laughs> okay. I also had a dark and stormy. I actually did not drink very much last time so, and have not drunk very much in a while. So I'm like, oh, this is fine. I'll just drink. A, I'll just pour a thing of Kraken rum. At my and I tomorrow morning I'm supposed to drive to Monticello and because there's some kind of like educational event there that I wanted to go to and I really wanted to wear my Hamilton um, why do you write like you're running out of time T-shirt to Thomas Jefferson's home nice. so those things seem very important but we will see how I, I will report back whether I actually get up and do that um, now that I've gotten started and it's not that late yet so we'll just say that. We'll, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also have early morning plans tomorrow, which hopefully I can, hopefully I can make them. I don't care. I don't care. Let's talk about Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So Eclipse, if you're not familiar with it, uh, it's the third book in Twilight. This actually is one, and in our notes about the podcast, before we even started, I was like, I think I'm going to be surprised when I reread this, because I don't really remember what happens, except for that Jasper's Civil War flashback is in it. <laughs> and, I, I, and I was like, I feel like it's only like one chapter, but I remember it as being a huge part of the book. And it's like less than one chapter. It's such a tiny part of the book. So New Moon ended... I don't even remember how it ended. I'm not that drunk yet, but I don't... Like, New Moon established <laughs> that there were werewolves in the town, and they were sort of... Had a truce with the vampires, but it wasn't super friendly. And in in Eclipse... I mean, there is... It's very long, and not a whole lot happens. A lot of it is Edward and Bella sort of, like, 
debating about their future, if they're going to get married, if they're going to go to college, what college they're going to go to, if Bella's going to become a vampire when she's 18 or 19 or 20. Like, a lot of small details are debated for a long-ass time. But Mm -hmm. eventually the plot is revealed that there have been, there's newborn vampires who are attacking in Seattle, and it got, like, forever into the book, it's revealed that the newborn vampire army has been corralled by Victoria, the vampire who, who's boy, yeah, who hates Bella because her boyfriend James kidnapped Bella and Edward killed James and she didn't die at that time. And so she's like, well, you killed my mates. I'm going to kill yours. It's Bella. Mm. So that's all happening. (laughs) It's funny that you say the thing about the Jasper flashback, because I also believe that you were the one when we were reading Twilight, or maybe it was when we were reading Life and Death, where you were really into, I think, the flashback about Alice, and then it turned out that it was also only like a page and a half. (laughs) I also think maybe in the movies, these things are made up bigger. Like, are there more, it's it's a bigger percentage of the time, at least, because the movies cut down in some of the, like, internal monologuing. And I think, especially, I mentioned before that Twilight was, like, a big thing for me and my Peace Corps class. And so Mm. the first two movies came out while we were in the Dominican Republic. And then Eclipse actually came out when a bunch of us were together. We were back in the U.S., but we were together for a wedding. So this group of, like, I don't know, eight Peace Corps volunteers went to see Eclipse in Des Moines, Iowa. And... (laughs) Like, when when Jasper's flashback happens, and especially when uh, Maria the vampire starts speaking Spanish to him, we all just, like, lost our shit, and we loved it so much. And so I have, like, such a strong <laughs> memory of just, like, a row of adults just being like, ah, la sangre. Because <laughs> especially, because it seems like she just repeats, like, one line. And this, she doesn't even have Spanish in the book, but in the movie, she just, like, basically repeats, like, Cuando chupes la sangre, which is like when you suck the blood. She just like keeps saying that. It's not even really like a full thought. And we're just like, why is this happening? We love it. <laughs> and then also Jackson Rathbone's southern accent in the movie is just like so over the top and I love it. I will also point out that I would assume that this is us endorsing a movie over a book. So uh, yeah, it is. Huh? <laughs> So uh, let's let's dive into a little bit of the nothing that happens and summarize this a little bit more in depth, and uh, then uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it. So as Renata said, we start off after Edward has come back. He was gone for most of New Moon and has returned to Bella. She has chosen him over Jacob, and Jacob her BFF, who is a werewolf, who is in love with her and really mad that she's not in love with him, uh, has basically said, I refuse to talk to you because you spend time with vampires. So they're still on rocky ground. Bella and Edward are, you know, schmoopy and romantic and stuff, but there's some tension there too because Edward is really insistent that Renata go to... uh, I should I fucking I go that. to college. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad Edward that someone cares. 
Edward is really insistent that Bella go to college, and Bella is like, fucking, I'm gonna take my acceptance to University of Alaska, and we will go to Alaska, and you will turn me into a vampire, and who gives a shit? Whereas Edward is, like, bribing the admissions people at Dartmouth to get her in for some reason. And it's so crazy, too, because this is all happening, like, in April. Like, they're graduating in, like, a week. And she's like, I don't know what college I'm going to yet. I still have acceptance letters coming in. It's like, girl, what? No, you don't. (laughs) I would like to say, as someone who was in college more recently than the rest of you, there are people who do apply in April and do get accepted. They just don't get financial aid. What? Which they don't have. Yeah, I knew a guy. He was like, oh, yeah, it was like April 1st. And like, you have to answer by May 1st. And he was like, oh, I just applied to a couple schools. Do you think all the money's gone? And I was like, yeah, most definitely. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah, it's possible. It's just highly unlikely that she'll get in unless you have money like Edward Cohen. Wow. I guess I guess good for them. (laughs) (laughs) So before they can go to college, uh, Bella has to get through the last couple weeks of school and the last couple finals and forced socialization with all of the people at school who love her, who she just doesn't care about because they're not <laughs> vampires. It's so true. Yeah. <laughs> it is the weirdest thing about Twilight to me still to this day, after having read three of these, four of these books now, if you count Life and Death, is Bella's insistence that she's awkward and unpopular when (laughs) literally every person in Forks wants to be her BFF. Literally. Well, although now some of the people don't like her because she got depressed after Edward left her, and so some of her friends, like, have not forgiven her for that. And she doesn't care, and it literally has no repercussions, <laughs> except that, like, Jessica says a few funny things at the party, and it's just like, she's like, that Jessica, she hated me. And then they just talk for two minutes. It has, And then she never thinks about those people after she graduates. Nope. Also, literally drink. <laughs> oh, did I say literally? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I guess we reference other books we've read. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Well, we're going to be, that's all, twi- it's all Twilight though, right? Yeah. I just wanted to drink. <laughs> also, also at the end. <laughs> Fair. Of New Moon. Also at the end of New Moon, Bella was grounded by Charlie because yeah. Jacob was a little shit and told Charlie that she's been riding this motorcycle that she wasn't supposed to have. Uh, at the beginning of this book, he ungrounds her on the condition that she spend time with friends who aren't Edward. Which, by the way, I think Hold is on. a really good grounded- idea. I thought he grounded her for running away to Italy. Yeah, that and... was also part of it. Oh, okay, that was just a part of it. All right. Well, but does he does he even know she went to Italy, or is it just like, he, oh well? He knew she was gone for three right. days. Yeah, yeah. An, an unexplained three day absence. She says. I think she maybe said she went to like went to Seattle or so. Like I, I don't think she said that, but I think she just said some like bullshit about being gone for a weekend or something. Yeah, it was probably L.A. because the Cullens were supposed to be in fake L.A. Oh right. <laughs> Wow. So uh, she's been paroled, but she has to spend time with friends who aren't Edward. And Charlie is very strongly implying that he wants one of those friends to be Jacob Black, no matter how many times Bella explains to him that they had a falling out because Jacob has feelings for her that she can't return. And I, I appreciate Charlie in a lot of the books, but his continued insistence in this book that even though she has no feelings for Jacob, she should like be nice to him and you know 
humor his affection for her and you know when he forces himself on her and kisses her that like good job jacob like oh yeah yeah i i do not like charlie's team jacob tendencies but i do think it was a good idea to make her try to hang out with her other friends even though she does not give a shit about them at all it it still was a good idea yeah, I like it in theory, but this, the whole Jacob thing that he keeps pushing on her, especially when she makes it clear that she's apologized to him at the beginning and he's not talking to her. Yes. You know, it, it just uh, it feels really gross. It's super gross. So what even fucking happens? They go to school. <laughs> they do finals. Uh, she hangs out with Alice. This might be a good time to talk about... Bella's increasingly strange fixation on Alice and how it really, and I don't even like especially ship them, but it seems like really sexual or like really like there's sort of a weird kind of S&M dynamic to it where like Bella will just do anything that Alice says. And also throughout this, Bella has this really strange thing where she keeps saying like I'm a bad person I need to be punished I need to be punished and she like always <laughs> like wants like bad things to happen to her so that she'll be punished for her crime of having like too many emotions all of this yeah. is true yeah these are all true things I think I think there's somebody could write like a paper about this about how there's this thin line between what I'm thinking might be like Stephanie Meyer's, like, Mormon conservative religious upbringing about, like, how women should be, like, you know, submissive and whatever, and how that is crossing over into, like, sexy submissive territory on some kind of, I have to assume, unconscious level. Um, But, like, I would buy the Bella of Eclipse in, you know, like, a hardcore S&M relationship way more than I buy... Anna Steele from the from Drink. The fifty yeah yeah from the first Fifty Shades um like way more because that Anna she's like she doesn't seem that interested in it but Bella has all these thoughts about mm-hmm. it the um yeah my response when I found out that Fifty Shades was a thing and like somebody explained it to me I was like but Bella's the kinky one. <laughs> Like, that's why it doesn't make any sense. Edward's not really, like, he, I mean, there are some ways that he's kind of, I mean, I guess you could, it wouldn't be a huge stretch to write him as a dominant personality, but to the extent that. He's controlling. He's controlling, but he's not, like, Christian Grey controlling, and I guess, Mm. is it time to take a drink? I guess it depends on if you think that was good or bad. Yeah. I guess If that was a favorable, if that was a favorable comparison. You love a favorable comparison. Yeah. But yeah, but it's like, it's sort of like the kinkiness in this relationship is coming, or at least in Bella's personality, I don't know if it's even particularly directed at Edward. In some ways, it's directed at everybody else. Yeah. Because she's more assertive with Edward, you know, that sort of which, and obviously that there's, there's some interesting, obviously, submissive and assertive are not mutually exclusive because there's a lot of ways where she's really topping from the bottom in this relationship and sometimes <laughs> Most definitely. big time yeah but I but mean, yeah but but with alice it's all she's almost more straightforward and even some of the stuff with jacob she's just like yeah let me you know i'm the one i'm gonna take all the responsibility for everything that happened here so i don't know it, it, she's an interesting character she's probably maybe interesting in ways that weren't necessarily intended 
Right. Yeah, I, I would agree with the thing about that, Edward, in that I feel like there's definitely like a hard line difference between being dominating and being a sexual dominant. Like, Edward can be dominating towards her, but I really like can't imagine him not having really fractured sex in the missionary position and then rolling <laughs> over it and that's that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Also, here's here's a quick point I want to drop in here. So it's a big deal that Edward gets a bed in this book so that Bella can spend the night. But because before everybody only had couches because they don't sleep. But like, <laughs> where do the like, vampire couples fuck? Like, are, just like on the floor, <laughs> like on their couches? Like, how come? I mean, I get it. It's cute. They don't have a bed because they don't sleep because they're vampires. But like, they fuck like a lot. Like that, I think it maybe um, isn't until Breaking Dawn that they explicitly state that they do. Oh, yeah, they do. They really do. Where's all well, that going? Uh, I, I recently read an article about how people fuck in tiny houses. Oh my god! Tell me more. But they don't even have a tiny house. They have a mansion. <laughs> well, I know that, but I I feel like a lot of the same principles apply. Where because in tiny houses there aren't traditional beds, and frequently the beds are lofted. So, like, you can't really fuck because there's no room. So you have to get, like, experimental and think outside the box of how to have sex. So maybe that's, like, maybe vampires Tell me just more. really Do like we... fucking against ladders and on stairs and against walls and on kitchen counters and don't care for traditional... I mean, they've been around for a long time. They've probably had a lot of sex in beds. Wait, they probably... We want to spice it up they probably have like a dungeon with like sex swings and stuff do we know that none of them have a beds or just edward well yeah because when she spends the night with bella she's all like where am i gonna sleep like on the couch oh, yeah, like, right right yeah it's like a big thing so right, although so i think in breaking dawn it is mentioned that some of the other couples have like their own little houses somewhere or at least uh-huh. they used to mm-hmm. for when they went to have really loud sex or something yeah like that. yeah, yeah. Um, apparently in the next book they say it took Carlisle and Esme 10 years to kick out Rosalie and Emmett because they had so much crazy love <laughs> sex. Spoiler. Sorry. So good. Okay. So I feel like we dived really deep into the subtext really fast and I'm proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm literally sitting here trying to remember what else happened in the book so that we can explain the plot a little bit more and okay. I'm like coming up blank like uh, Charlie There's is very some more concerned. like werewolf, like more werewolves yeah. have come. Oh, oh, and here's the thing I was mad about. Um, so like more werewolves have uh, have grown or like what is it like appeared? I don't know. Transformed. Shifted, yeah. yeah. And Edward Cullen is like, man, why are there so many werewolves? And Bella's like, it's it's because of the vampires are here. They're changing in response to that. And he's like. Are you sure it's not just, like, in response to you and your bad luck? And, like, they don't get it. They didn't... They just thought it was, like, a coincidence that the werewolves happened. Like, you're so stupid, Edward. God. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Bella does have to explain some things to him. Yeah. Um, But so there's there's these murders happening in Seattle. Like, lots of people are being killed. The police think it's... The police think it's a serial killer. And Edward takes one look at the newspaper and essentially is like, nope, it's vampires. And then, like, 
kind of like he does the thing where he constantly like tries to scare Bella about the realities of being a vampire where he's like yeah you know all of your serial killers and like history's greatest monsters are actually vampires who have lost control but you know then the Volturi come in and make it seem like it was a human serial killer the whole time and um and it's it's one of those things where like (laughs) there are like five or six plot points in this book that are incredibly telegraphed from the first chapter that take all the other characters like 500 pages to figure out. And that's one of them. It takes them way too long to put together for Bella to put together that the serial killer in Seattle is a vampire. Uh, It takes them way too long to connect it to Victoria, even though Victoria shows up not too far into the book it takes them a really long time to connect the fact that someone was in Bella's house specifically looking for her with the fact that Victoria is looking for her. Like it's. Well, they have this like lengthy conversation. That's like, well, there's Victoria and there's somebody breaking into Bella's house and there's somebody making baby vampires to use as a weapon. And they're like, Oh, okay. And then Bella at one point is like, what if it's all Victoria? And Edward goes, huh? And then they don't do anything about it. It has no, it has no bearing on their plan that she figured this thing out. But it's just kind of, it's like, well, I guess Bella was slightly less stupid than all the rest of them. <laughs> I'll give Jasper a pass because he was like making mili- mil- Well, I guess guess we'll get to that. But Jasper was like making military um, tactics, so he wasn't really thinking about the strategy. But I think all the rest of them, Carlisle at least, maybe should have like something should have gone off in his head. I don't know. Yeah, well, so since you mentioned Jasper, let's talk about him forever. Okay. Um, So Jasper in his flashback, like, dramatically reveals his backstory, which Bella had not known before. And he had been uh, an officer in the Civil War when he was turned into a vampire by sexy Mexican vampire Maria. And he basically became, like, her second-in-command of her vampire army. And he just, like, casually mentions that, oh, yeah, in the past, like, vampire armies ruled, like, every city. And they would fight over their territory because they wanted to be able to have the most human blood. Which, by the way, this whole thing seems unnecessary because there's so many humans. Like, I feel like they could have not bothered with that. But they did. So he was, like, her second-in-command. And they would make armies of newborn vampires because... Newborn vampires for like their first year are super strong compared to normal vampires. So they would convert people into vampires and make them fight for them. And then after they became about a year old, they would just like kill them and throw them away. And so Jasper is doing that and his power to control emotions. Oh, and also I am going to put a pin in this. I want to come back and talk about how powers and Bella and werewolf like It's not consistent how those things intersect, and I want to come back to that. But anyway, Jasper's power to control emotions, like, helps him wrangle the newborns. It's fine, but he has, like, a growing sense that, like, maybe this is not the best thing I could be doing with my life. I don't know. I don't know. And then eventually he breaks away from Maria and and Alice finds him. And he becomes a cool, normal vegetarian vampire. But it's <laughs> it sort of um, introduces the concept of these newborn armies, and also that Jasper has like a hilariously sad backstory, and I love it. it it's actually it's really interesting to me too because he I can't remember if he explicitly says this or if it's just haven't 
uh, heavily implied that the reason why he couldn't find fulfillment in doing that and in raising the newborn vampire armies and the reason why he can't he's not as happy as everyone else being a vampire is that his empathy goes two ways. So in addition to being able to calm everyone's emotions, their negative emotions reflect back on him. So by killing all these people all the time and he's surrounded by all of this negative energy that depresses him essentially. Um, And that's why he has to stop and go somewhere else. And that's why being a vegetarian works for him even though he still craves human blood a lot because the act of killing humans and the act of making other vampires and things like that make him sad yes which i just thought was really fascinating yeah poor poor emo jasper there's a whole story about like alice and jasper's like great love and all of this interesting stuff that goes on to bring them together that like you're like okay you know that gets the tossed off in like half a chapter or whatever no i know and like the entire civil war all this is like half a chapter and meanwhile there's like 17 chapters of bella being like i don't know edward jacob i don't know i just don't know what to do i just don't know but um anyway okay so bella as we know edward cannot read her thoughts and she's also immune to, like, Jane, the vampire's power to cause pain. And she's like, wait, how come, like, Alice can see me in the future in her predictions and Jasper's emotions powers work for me, but nobody else does? And the reason is obviously for plot convenience. But Alice is like, (laughs) Alice is like, oh, it's because, like, your mind is safe, but, like, my power involves your body, and so does Jasper's. But, like, I feel like his emotional power is your mind, and I feel like that's a bullshit distinction. And then also, Alice can't see the werewolves in her visions. Like, her powers don't work in vampires. But Edwards do. So that's not consistent either. Oh, right. Uh, And I I feel like you're right, that emotions are more mind than body. And I feel like pain is more body (laughs) than mind. Yeah. I kind of bother. She's like, well, she doesn't actually cause pain. She just makes you think that you're feeling pain. And I was like, I get, because I don't know. That's all pain is, is nerve reception, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I had that thought, too. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so back back to the plot-ish, as it were. So some things happen. Edward ends up taking Bella away for a couple days. Oh, to visit Renee. Because oh, yeah. um, Carl... Car- Carl Vampire, vampire doctor. <laughs> <laughs> um, had given her tickets to visit Renee for her birthday last year, and they're going to expire soon. So in one of his many shows of manipulating Bella and the world around her to suit his needs... Edward uses this information to convince Charlie that Bella really should visit Renee for the weekend, even though Bella has already said she doesn't want to. So they leave for a couple days, and when they come back, Jacob's very upset, and he calls her and asks her if she's going to school the next day, and she figures, oh, I was gone for three days, that's how long a vampire transformation takes. He thought that I had been turned, And when they get to school, it turns out that even if that was somewhere in his mind, what he was really upset about was that Victoria had come to Forks while they were gone. And in fact, Alice had foresaw that 
and that was why Edward was so keen to get Bella out of town. And it kind of causes a truce between Bella and Jacob. They kind of bury the hatchet-ish, and Ed, Jacob doesn't want to fight anymore because he thought that Bella was dead and all this other shit. Uh, but Edward still doesn't want her going to the reservation. So Can she I interject. Oh, sorry. Oh, please. Yeah, go for it. I was going to say, how did Edward take her to Florida and somehow stay inside the entire time? Like, did he not get off the plane? Um, did he not go outside? He did mention that he had pretended to have a term paper. So he pretended to stay inside and work on that all day during the daytime. Okay. Which still is shady as hell, but okay. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Edward really doesn't want her going over to the reservation because A, he still doesn't like Jacob, and B, he doesn't think that the werewolves can protect her. And there's well, still the big treaty where he can't cross the line and vice versa. And um, see, not only does he not think they can protect her like from Victoria... But also, and this is bullshit, I think, he's like, oh, werewolves can't control themselves. So, like, one of them could get mad and just, like, attack you. But, like, Jasper fucking did that to her. And he's like, no, it's cool. You can hang out with Jasper, obviously. But, like, Jasper literally tried to kill her already. And then everybody else also was like, oh, Bella smells real tasty in the last book. Ugh. Vampires. Yeah. (laughs) So, oh, my God. I can't believe we didn't talk about this yet. It's been half an hour. We haven't talked about, like, maybe the worst part of the book. I don't know. That's a strong statement. But Edward, like, so badly doesn't want her to go visit that he takes her car apart so she can't go anywhere. That was anywhere. my favorite part. That was my favorite part. I loved it. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Say, Danielle, please say more. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, whenever I talk about the Twilight books, I always say that, like, Belle Swan is the greatest feminist of all time, yeah. which I will stand behind forever. But please in this book, <laughs> like, you can get mad at Edward because that was gross. He was like, oh, I don't want you to go see Jacob. And she was like, that's cool. I have a car. You can't tell me what to do. And then all of a sudden he's just like sort of talking more to himself than to her and like turning her engine over or like some crucial part of the car. And he says to her, if you don't want me to come in your window, just close the window. And she closes the window, but then opens it again. And I'm like, oh, so you really didn't want to go see Jacob in the first place. Like, you're totally fine with this sequence of events. Hey, uh, what, was that, what was that thing in Stephanie Plum that was a big plot point taking out of the car? The the radiator the cap? No. The distributor cap. The dis- yeah, mm. do, you think, do we think that's what Edward took out of her car was the distributor cap? As as everyone knows, the car won't run without its distributor cap. Yes. (laughs) Also, drink for referencing. Have an old car. Yeah, I bet that that's my new headcanon. That Edward (laughs) Edward read all the Stephanie Plum books, and he's like, "Oh, this is obviously the best way." See, I was thinking of the Sound of Music when they. um, That's the same thing. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. When when they come out and the nuns are like, "Father, we have sinned. We took the." this crap out of the Nazis' car so they can't chase It was the distributor cat. Okay, yeah, I don't know if they say they just show show a piece to him. Anyway, I I recommend The Sound of Music over the Twilight (laughs) books that we should drink. Oh, let's hella drink to that. (laughs) Yeah, it's so funny, because I've spent, like, two episodes being like, oh, yeah, when people say, like, Edward is abusive, like, it's really, like, it's not that bad, it's not that bad. And then I read this, and I was like, oh, no, yeah, it's pretty bad. (laughs) 
I thought I do have a limited defense of that, though, because I think in the context of, oh, your boyfriend is keeping you away, is doing stuff to keep you away from other people like that, like in real life, that is a huge red flag. And um, but I mean, he is on some level trying to stop a werewolf vampire war from starting and he does know that Bella is pretty stubborn so <laughs> and all but over the course of the book and I guess we could talk about this more but over the course of the book the arc is toward Edward learning to be less controlling and stepping mm-hmm. back even though I think she's a little bit like okay I guess I'll let you come in the window I can't be that mad but you know, she does express her disapproval and he does kind of learn to be less controlling, which in, in the parallel arc of Jacob becoming more of whatever he is, but we can get to that. But yeah, but I, I think it's, it, I mean, it is a gross thing, but I think it sounds a little grosser out of context than it actually is. It's true. So, yeah, it's not. Yeah, yeah, I'll give him that. I was, oh, no, are we I defending was genu- this? genuinely impressed with that. <laughs> I'm defending it. Oh, we're defending it. We have to drink. I always defend this book, so. I hate it, but I'm defending it. <laughs> yeah. I, I was. I have to say I was genuinely impressed with Edward's, that that arc of Edward's over the course mm-hmm. of the book. Um, because where, where we are, while Edward is out hunting for the weekend, Bella is, you know, has been warned not to go to the reservation and has been told essentially that she's having a sleepover with Alice, whether she likes it or not. So when her work shift is canceled, she likes it. (laughs) She loves it. (laughs) (laughs) She she makes a snap decision to go to the reservation, figuring that's the key is to make a snap decision so that Alice doesn't have time to foresee it and that she can cross the line into the reservation before Alice can get to her. So she goes and she hangs out with Jacob, who's still so fucking gross and so pushing himself on her, despite the fact that she makes it clear over and over again that it's unwelcome. And I just find it very upsetting. I feel like Jacob must have, like, read um, The Rules or some dating book or, like, like pick up artistry. And he's like, oh, no, like, even if she says no, like, she'll respect me if, if I'm an alpha. Which, hilariously, <laughs> later, she's like, oh, you're the beta werewolf. <laughs> I'm sure that that helped him feel much better. Yeah. But which um, she seems to think is a term she made up. Yes. So, she does know. think she made that up. <laughs> Bella doesn't read fan fiction. She doesn't understand computers. She also doesn't read pickup artist manuals, so that's probably good. Right, right. I feel like if Bella ever did read fan fiction, she would have like several awakenings about herself, though. <laughs> I think we should drink to that I mean, also. Yes, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) I feel like if Stephanie Meyer had read the right fan fiction, these books might read very differently, to be honest. (laughs) Especially the last book. Oh my gosh. I can't, I literally cannot wait until this time next year. Oh God. Also drink. Just just watch the movie for the last book. You don't even need to read it. Well, no. First of all, drink to that. Second of all, (laughs) we must. (laughs) So that's this sort of um, undercurrent is that she keeps finding ways to sneak away to spend time with Jacob and all the Cullens are pretty pissy about it. Whereas Charlie is of course over the moon. And on one of those forays into spending time, actually, no, that's not the one. Eventually what happens to kind of make the truce happen between 
Jacob and Edward. Doesn't she run away from school? Like, Jacob comes to get her on the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. and like, Bella, yeah. run! And Bella's like, Mike Newton, cover for me. She runs to <laughs> Jacob's motorcycle, and they speed away while Alice watches Forlorn. And <laughs> all the vampire boys have gone off to go hunting uh, in anticipation of having to go to Seattle and attack all of these vampires. They want to be at top form, and Bella has been forced to have a sleepover with Alice. Uh, in order to keep her safe. So she runs off from school and goes off with Jacob instead. Alice is not happy. Edward is not happy. No one is happy. Uh, When she's done hanging out with Jacob, she goes back to the Cullens, hangs out with Alice. And when she goes back home after, she notices that there are some things missing from her bedroom that she assumed that Alice took when she was putting together a bag for Bella's sleepover. And when Edward shows up and she men- mentions this to him, he realizes that Alice did not take those things. Someone was in the house stealing Bella's clothes and pillow and this red blouse that she's like fucking obsessed with and mentions like 15 times. I would and be as- mad if a vampire stole my favorite blouse. I mean, like, I would be mad if a vampire stole any of my clothes. I'm very attached to most of my clothes. <laughs> But it is weird because Bella makes such a big point about, like, I don't care about fashion. Fashion's for other girls. But I yeah. did like that oh. red blouse. Also, blouse okay. is, like, such an old lady word. Whatever. Yeah, if, you're, if you're somebody who's, like, like that, though, then you probably have, like, three uh, three articles of clothing that you're confident of being able to wear to some to anything vaguely dressy. So you're probably very upset when you have to replace one of them. That's Not yeah. that I'm... Not that I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> That's a fair point. And in the movies, she just wears hoodies all the time. Yeah. Oh, side note: I really want to talk about when Edward's like, "If you're gonna, if you're gonna ride a motorcycle, you got to wear a helmet and you got to wear this leather jacket." And she's like, Ugh, "I bet I look so dumb in this leather jacket. Ugh, how can you make me wear a leather jacket?" And he's like, "No, you look sexy." And she's like, "No, I don't." Like Bella, come on! Like everybody looks sexy in a leather jacket. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, that was so because this has happened, um, they end up talking to the werewolves and they come up with this sort of truce where Edward realizes and Jacob realizes that both of them just want to keep Bella alive and protect her and Charlie. So the best way to do that is to join forces and Edward like starts being cooler about her going over there. Like he will even drive her to go hang out with Jacob and a couple times when the vampires are all off doing things and she goes, can I go hang out with Jacob? He's like, yeah, actually, that's probably the best place for you. Like, I'll take you over there. Uh, Which was an interesting development, I thought. Yeah. So all this is happening. And one of those times that he does that, he brings her over to hang out with Jacob while they're off vampiring or whatever. Uh, Jacob once again declares his love for her and when she tells him to shut up he's like no like let me do this you really love me I know you really love me I will prove that you really love me by taking you forcing a kiss on you even when you try to push me away continuing to force your mouth open so that I can kiss you and then laughing when you literally punch me in an attempt to get me to stop kissing you and that was when I went from being like wow, I don't like Jacob, to, wow, I hope Jacob dies in a fire. Oh, my yeah, it was, God. And it, like, especially from Bella's POV, it's, like, really upsetting. 
Yeah, like, and it's not like, like, how am I supposed to know that you were, like, trying to push me away because you're so weak? I thought you were into it. And I was like, no, this just got really rapey. Yeah. And I will give, I'll give Stephanie Meyer this. It is very clear that it is unwanted and not cool while he's doing it. Because, like, we've talked a lot before on the show about the kind of romance novelty, like, you know, oh, stop, I said, even though I really wanted it. Like, it's very clear. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's very clear that she does not want it, that it is not cool that he's doing this, and that she's upset by it. And that made me even angrier. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then also, and then also... Charlie's like, how'd you hurt your hand? And she's like, I hit Jacob because he kissed me. And Charlie's like, high five, bro. Like, that was so disgusting. Oh, I would have Charlie. I would have been like, Dad, I'm going to get your gun. I'll be right back. <laughs> oh, Although God. later, like, later, Charlie is like, hey, uh, even though I like, even though I do like Jacob more than I like Edward, uh, do you want me to teach how to punch in case he tries it again? And I was like, okay, you can, <laughs> you can come back in my good graces, Charlie. <laughs> And yeah. it's, like, it's interesting, too, because Edward, who I'm normally like, wow, you're a bag of dicks, reacts, <laughs> like, exactly pretty much like he should, where he doesn't physically attack him, but he's very clearly on Bella's side mm-hmm. and protective of her and, like, angry yeah, and, that Jacob would Oh, and Bella's, like, it. afraid he'll be mad. He's like, of course not. Like, it was Jacob. Yeah, it, it's really interesting i don't like feeling sympathy for edward but i do several (laughs) times in this book um but so so she and jacob are like on the outs and whatever and uh did we have anything else to say about the kissing before i move on with the plot jacob also tries to insist that she kissed him back even though she keeps Uh, saying she didn't and i'm like look that like he starts out that scene he's kind of like look i just want to make sure that you know, instead of messing around, I put it out in the open that I really like you and I want you to be with me instead of him. And I was like, at that point, I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe that's like a mature attempt at having an adult conversation. And maybe even though you're being a little dense, I can understand why you asked that question. But then she's clearly not responding to you. She clearly is telling you again and again, she didn't want it. She tried to hit you and like, okay, maybe in the moment you thought she kissed you back. But she is saying she did it, dude. You know, it's over. Let it go. Ugh. And even even in Edward's reading his mind and his reliving of that moment, Edward uh-huh. says that it's clear that she was not participating. Right, right. So fucking, he's fucking delusional. And I mm-hmm. hate him. Aww. I can't believe how much I liked him at the beginning of New Moon because I <laughs> hate him now. And, then, and so then what happens is that... Ed, Jacob leaves and is set on fire and we never have to deal with him again, right? God, I wish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, this um, was what... the moment where I switched from Team Jacob to Team Seth Clearwater because Ooh. Seth Clearwater <laughs> is my favorite person in this entire series. Oh, tell He's... us more. Tell us more. What? Seth, Seth is pretty good. Is amazing. He's no, I, like I a wanted more about baby. It. Well, uh-huh. most, a lot of his cool stuff happens in Breaking Dawn, okay. which at some point you'll read. He's yeah. like, I just want to, I want everybody to love each other and like in this book, he teams up with Edward at the end, uh-huh. and that like lends itself to a deeper friendship in uh-huh. Breaking Dawn. He's like, oh, I just want to like be Edward's friend and like chill at the Cullen's house all the time. And I'm like, oh, Seth, you're my child, and I love you. Aww. 
Yeah, he's real nice. He's like, I don't want us to fight with the Cullens. I just want us to all be friends. And I'm like, you're so young. Because Seth Clearwater's like 15. Uh-huh. But he's amazing. Well, that's he's kind of like Jacob was when Jacob first met Bella. So I think yeah. it's kind of... And Bella even says that. She's like, I like the Jacob that I met when you were cute and not trying to like force yourself on me. Wasn't that nice? Yep. Yeah. Oh. And, and there's a... There's also a point where um, Jacob says he's nostalgic for when Bella was depressed because then she depended on him more. Oh, I'm like, to gross. me, that, that's almost the biggest red flag of anything that he says. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay. no, you don't want what's best for her. You want your hurt comfort fantasy or whatever that was, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, oh. Um. So, meanwhile, while this is all going on, Alice is planning a giant graduation party for Bella because... Fucking who knows? I love Alice, but who fucking knows what goes on in her head? Like, <laughs> she likes parties. And I understand that, but she knows Bella hates parties. But I, it's also her graduation party at Edwards, so why couldn't she just be like, this is our party. Bella, come and hang out for a little bit if you want to. It's very strange. I because also don't Alice, understand why. Because Alice just wants to assert her domination over Bella. Exactly. Yes, Alice yes, exactly. is the dom, and sometimes you have to push yourself. That's what it's about. Okay, okay. Yeah, see, when you put it that way, I'm like, okay. Even Edward is like, Bella, you worry too much about what's going to make Alice happy. And Bella's like, <laughs> I just want Alice to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't stay mad at Alice. I can't. Yeah. She doesn't I mean, that was me talking. Also... Also, in, like, when they're planning the vampire fight and stuff, Bella is obsessed with, like, oh, my God, what if Alice gets hurt? Alice is so little. Alice is so fragile. Alice is a vampire, Bella. <laughs> like, <laughs> she's gonna I mean, be okay. <laughs> so, um, so Alice is playing this party, and, I don't know, shit happens. They graduate. It's really anticlimactic. They go to this party. They've turned the Cullen's house into a nightclub. All oh of God. the senior class comes to the party. Wait, also, <laughs> also, when they're turning into a nightclub, Alice is like, should we play comforting music or should we expand everyone's musical horizons? And Edward is like, comforting music. And Alice is like, fine. But like, Al- like oh my God, they're so pretentious. I hate them. But I love them. I, oh, I forgot. Yeah. I forgot a thing that happens that's important. So when <laughs> Bella is spending the night at the Cullens' house, of like the six things in this book, I can't believe I forgot one of the things oh, that actually I was just happened. When she's spending the night at uh, with Alice at the Cullens' house, a Rosalie shows up and is basically like, "Can I talk to you about something?" and tells her tragic backstory, which is really fucking tragic. Oh my god, tragic. it is. She So she talks about how, like, when she was growing up, it was during the Great Depression, but her father had a job at the bank, so they were, like, firmly middle class, and her parents Side were note. social climbers. Side note, but- of all the businesses in the, like, <laughs> the banks were not doing good, <laughs> Stephanie Meyer, but yeah. continue. <laughs> this one was fine. <laughs> She was, like, so fucking beautiful, and her parents loved that because it meant that, that, like, important men looked at her, and she was very vain and wanted important men to look at her, and all she wanted was a family with beautiful children, and her parents kind of set her up with the rich, important son of the bank manager, and they were, like, the richest family in town, and their last name was King, because, God forbid, we make this a subtle metaphor. (laughs) 
And so she ended up marrying this guy after like barely. Were, were they or, even no, married or were they engaged? Yet. They had. They were, they were engaged. engaged. They were engaged and she like barely knew him and barely spent time with him and her like best friend who was poor had a baby and was married and was like super in love and she was over there one night feeling slightly jealous that like her husband loved her so much and like her baby was so cute and when she was walking home to go back to her house her fiance and his friends were drunk wandering down the street and her fiance was like look at my like super hot fiance and his friends were like wow, like, show us how hot she is by taking her clothes off. So he does, and he strips her, and they rape her, and beat her, and leave her in the street to die. Her fiancé does this. Yeah. And that's when Carlisle finds her, and it's like, we can't let her die, and brings her back to the house to turn into a vampire for Edward, and Edward, she hears Edward being like, why? (laughs) Yes. And immediately is like, nope, I don't care what happens when I wake up. I don't care how much pain I am. I am noping the hell out of this guy. And I actually was really confused when I was reading it because I kept misreading that portion of the book. Because she she tells Bella, I'm jealous of you because, like, Edward's so great. And she goes, but you have Emmett. And... Rosalie says, I don't love Edward like that. I love him like a sister. And I kept reading it like six times. I read, I don't love Emmett like that. (laughs) And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. It's contradictory. (laughs) But I figured it out. actually. Anyway. um, Side note. I thought it was a little bit creepy that Rosalie was like, oh, the reason that I picked Emmett and asked Carlisle to change him was because he looked like my ugly best friend's beautiful baby son. And I was like, that's a little weird. That's not okay. It is. But it's just foreshadowing for Breaking Dawn. (laughs) Uh, So the reason that Rosalie doesn't like Bella which we've already sort of previously established is because Bella is still human. She can still have babies. She can still have a future. Rosalie's never going to have that. And she hates the idea that Bella's throwing it away. So she's basically like, Bella, like, please think this through. And Bella's like, sure, I will. Bye. No, I'm not going to think it through. Yes, that all happens. So yeah, there's a party. They're throwing a graduation party. The whole senior class is there. During the party, Alice gets a vision. Also, the werewolves show up. Bella had invited Jacob before he forced himself on her and assaulted her and he decided that that meant he could still show up yeah so they the Cullens and the werewolves and Bella all basically talk about how the baby vampires are coming from Seattle they're going to be here in a few days like the best thing to do is for all of us to work together to protect Bella and kill all the vampires and then there's a long long planning meeting (laughs) Yeah, it fucking goes on forever in the middle of the woods, in the middle of the night. And they, like, Jasper teaches them how to fight baby vampires because he was a previous baby vampire wrangler. And Bella, like, goes through this whole, like, don't let them hurt Alice, don't let them hurt Edward. Like, Jacob, you shouldn't be here because you're going to get hurt, too. And her, like, fucking guilt thing that runs through this whole book. She spends this whole book with such a martyr complex. She does. I love it. She needs to be punished. <laughs> um, there's that beautiful third wife story where she go. Oh, so I have no idea how to pronounce the tribe's name. Is it like 
Quillet, Quillet. I, I have no idea. But I think maybe I listened Quilute. to the audiobook, but it's already left my memory. Let's go, okay. Quillet. Okay. Mm-hmm. So she goes to have like a barbecue, like this outdoor campfire barbecue with Jacob, and they're telling way before Jacob assaults her. Oh, this is before, yeah. And there's this story about this woman and she was like the alpha wife i guess but she wasn't a vamp she wasn't sorry vampire she wasn't a werewolf and her son gets killed fighting a vampire and so she her husband goes to avenge the son and the husband's about to lose so in the book she like stabs herself in the heart in the movie she just like stabs herself in the abdomen and it's her sacrifice that <laughs> like distracts the vampires and lets the husband win the fight but obviously she ends up dying and Bella just really identifies with this for no reason at all <laughs> and yeah. it comes back at the end of the book in the most minute way possible yeah also, I will chime in to your statement that Bella is the greatest feminist because she, like, loves that story. And she's like, what, how come you remember all the names of the men in the story, but you're just calling her the third wife? Like, doesn't she have a name? And they're like, yep. nope. <laughs> <laughs> just the third wife. And, yeah, she's not even the alpha wife. She is the third wife. But I guess oh, yeah, maybe the other the two wife. wives had died at that point. Possibly. Yeah, because they the she's the third wife because they talk about how the alpha, the first werewolf of the the. Well, I already forgot how we pronounce this. Quill you tribe. Um, the first, like the very first werewolf, the very first alpha had taken two other wives, and because the werewolves stop aging until they decide to stop shifting into wolf form, so he had outlived two wives, and then his third wife he loved so much that he had stopped shifting into werewolf form, so they could grow old together. But then vampires came to attack again, so he had to not do that anymore. So I read this story like very closely several times trying to get a handle on it because I remember it confused me the first time and it confused me in the movie. And I thought, well, I'll learn this because it turns out being really important in the fight in the end. So I kind of got it. And then I realized, oh, it's not really important at all. It's like Bella just like scratches her arm at some point. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm just like the third wife. So yeah, just as well. Did we, it is the, I was trying to, figure out if she was actually referring to any real Quileute legends or if this is just a totally made up thing. So we can go back uh, to our notes from the New Moon episode. Yeah. Um, th- there is a real Quileute tribe and I guess they do have some wolf related legends I guess. I think a lot of their like stories are not like white people don't know them and that's actually mm-hmm. like criticism I've read of these books that one of the most like unrealistic things about the way the tribe is portrayed is that they wouldn't let Bella know this shit because it's like only for tribe members. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, and Jacob is telling her as much as he can as soon as he can, even in the first book. Exactly. So, then they, take, they bring her to the sacred campfire. And I guess you could maybe say that like Billy considered her like a family member, you know, so, but that's still Yeah, and they're lot. like playing it both ways because like, oh yeah, she's like a family member, but also she had kind of barely spent any time in Forks before like the last year. Like she right. would visit Charlie yeah. sometimes, yeah. but not like that much. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I don't, I don't, I doubt that the third wife thing specifically is a real story. Okay. Also, this is like super belated at this point, but I'm going to reiterate the same um, warning slash apology that we said for the New Moon episode, which is that we're not experts on native appropriation and Renata, Caroline and I are white. None of us are native. We're all drunk. 
Fair. So yeah. we'll we'll link to some articles written by bloggers and writers who are native and have thoughts on this. And you should definitely yeah. read them. And maybe don't read this book. I don't know. This yeah. book is great. You should definitely read it. Don't read the other one. <laughs> Just watch the movies. Watch the movies. Oh, my God. Oh, and also skip drink. The break- oh, skip so- the first Breaking Dawn movie, though. Skip that one. That's true. The let second me, one's better. Let me real quick wrap up the plot. And then, Daniel, uh-huh. I'm so interested why you love this book so much. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, they're, you know, the... the Maybe vampires are coming. Victoria's coming. They come up with this plan. Bella and Edward come to this, like, manipulation slash standoff where she's like, if I agree to marry you, because that's their thing, is that he refuses to turn her into a vampire unless she marries him first. And she doesn't want to marry anyone. Oh, also, I want to go, I want to dip into this real quick because I love it. It's, like, so dumb, but it's also, I think, so realistic. How she, like Edward's like well, you like you want to be a vampire and live with me forever, but you don't want to get married. And she's like, yeah, everyone will judge me if I get married right after high school. Like I would judge a girl who got married after high school. And I was like, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. I I one hundred percent agree. I'm on the same page with her. I did really like that. It is more embarrassing to get married after high school than it is to become a vampire after high school. <laughs> Sorry if you got married right after high school. <laughs> But, I don't know. Not sorry if you became a vampire right after high school. <laughs> so, um, if, if you did become a vampire right after high school, you should, when we did the Twitter at the end, you should add us and let oh us know. Oh my god, yeah, please went. tweet at us about your experience. <laughs> um, so, so she says, you know, what, what could, what will you give me if I agree to marry you so that you'll turn me? And he says, whatever you want. She's like, good, I want to fuck. Yeah. And he's like, okay, but you know what? They don't, they do not even say the word sex. They never say the word sex. It's so vague. Yeah, yeah they do. They don't. His shirt. Yeah, that's exactly what she, she unbuttons her shirt. He's like, what do you want? And she like starts making out with him and taking his clothes off. And he's like, nope. And they do eventually come to a consensus where she convinces him to at least try to have sex with her before she turns into a vampire and that they'll get married and then he can turn her into a vampire. It's like a logic puzzle, like, or like (laughs) this whole series of like, if then, like, well, we'll you have to go to at least a year of college and we have to get married first and then we have to have sex and then I'll turn you into a vampire, but it has, but also you have to... Like, there's all these conditionals, and they go back and forth. And he's very, he's all over the place, because he's sort of like, first, he's like, well, it would hurt you to have sex with a vampire where you're human, I'm too strong, and I might eat you, and this is all bad. But also, I think that you should, I think that you should, like, maintain your virtue, because I'm, like, secretly a very religious vampire. But also... I am a virgin and I don't want to do it. And so I kind of was like, oh, so is that what we're actually getting at? Is that is Ed, if if Edward is actually just con- pretending to be concerned about her virtue, but he's really wor- worried about himself. I mean, on, I'm like on one level that becomes like it's interesting and it makes him less controlling and more of just, you know, I'm like, well, if he says he doesn't want to do it because he doesn't want to do it. I read that differently than if he's like, I don't want to do it because you need to be pure. But he, I think he never figures it out. I'm not sure if the 
author ever figured it out. I know Bella has no idea what's going on, and I kind of felt for her. There. Right, well, because yeah. also, because then there's a the thing where I'm not sure if he's trying to do, like, reverse psychology or if he genuinely changes his mind. But, like, mm-hmm. when he has this revelation of, like, you know, anytime I try to control you, Bella, you always, like, get around me, and it's, like, more dangerous, right, yeah. so I'll do whatever. So, like, let's just have sex right now. And then he, like is a little aggressive about it. And she's like, no, no, I changed my mind. I do want to wait till marriage. Like, get off me. And he's like, are you sure? Like, Meh. And so I don't know. Like, would he really have had sex with her right then? Or was he trying to make her admit that, like, she did want to get married first? Oh, I don't know. I don't think she ever really wants to get married. It's so confusing. So, so they come up with this whole thing. And then she further gets a, a thing, uh, what she wants out of him. And she says, like... When they're making up the plan, Jasper wants to use her as bait. And she's like, yes, I want to do that. And Alice is like, nope, we know what you're going to do. We're not going to let you do it. So on, she promises that she won't make herself be bait on the condition that Edward not join the fight, but stay with her in the hidden place in the mountains where she's going to be. So he agrees to it. They all set out. She pretends that she's going to Alice's first sleepover and shopping for the weekend. They go to the woods. They, Edward and Bella go to the mountainside and it's really snowy. And Jacob is there watching over them for the night. And she's like fucking freezing to death because they didn't pack real well for the winter. And Jacob's like, I'm a human furnace. And Edward's like, okay, like I'm really upset about this, but yes, I don't want my girlfriend to die. Get, in the sleeping bag with her and they have a whole conversation about how they both love her and if they're ever going to stop this competition over her and Jacob keeps trying to catch Edward in like a lie I guess like trying to trick him by saying like well what if she does choose me and Edward's like then I'll let her go with you because I just want her to be happy and Jacob's like but she's asleep you can tell me what you really feel and he's like that's what I really feel Mm mm-hmm I, I um, love this conceit that they're that she's actually asleep and yet overhearing the whole conversation. What yeah. is even happening? Yes, it's like like you could get a bingo on trope bingo just from this book, like <laughs> even from that scene probably like pretending to be asleep, like forced to cuddle, forced to like snowed in together. Mm, yeah, <laughs> all that love triangle. Uh-huh. Yeah, werewolf. Um, so. They get through the night. Jacob goes to switch places with Seth Clearwater so that he can join the fight and Seth can hang out with them because he's the baby werewolf. Jacob overhears Edward and Bella talking about their impending marriage and, like, he fucking flips out. And (laughs) Edward goes to find him because he can tell Bella's upset. And Bella's, like, fucking blaming herself for Edward being, for Jacob being mad that she and Edward are getting married and, like, crying that he was so upset about it when it's really, like, he needs to fucking get over himself. But she's um, mad at Edward for a minute because she's like, Edward, you manipulated the situation. You knew he was there and you knew he'd be upset. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And then she just goes back to hel- hating herself over it because that's she what she does in this book. Because she needs to be punished. <laughs> uh, so Edward brings Jacob back and walks away so they can have privacy and... Jacob convinces her to kiss him again and she does and it's like a really passionate kiss and she says like I think I'm in love with you it's even more garbage than that though because you say convince but he's like I will kill myself if you don't kiss me yes Yes. 
He says that. Also garbage. So garbage. Yeah, yeah. Drink. Drink. Oh, so much drink. So she kisses him and it's like super passionate. And she's like, I am in love with you, but I just love Edward more. Which is so dumb, which I'll get into when we're done with the summary. Because I just want to fucking end the summary so that we can move on with our lives. <laughs> we live here now. We live in Forks. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot to say. I forgot to say. I went to Forks the summary, you guys. I went Thanks, to Forks. Please? It wasn't wow. that exciting, and I was very sick while I was there. But I was there. Right. We, we'll talk I, I, more about that in a minute. Fine. I just really want to get through this so we can move on. Oh, we're so close. You're right. Keep going. I will stop talking. Um, so Edward comes back, and Bella's like, did you hear that? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, are you mad? And he's like, no, because you can't help how you feel, and you still love me more, so whatever. And, like, I know how I would feel if you loved someone more than me and all this other bullshit. They're all off having the fight, which Edward narrates by reading Seth's mind because he's connected to all all the other wolves. And then Victoria shows up with her boy toy. They had caught Bella's scent and had tracked them up the mountain and there's a big fight. And Bella at one point thinks that Edward and Seth are being beaten. So that's when she grabs a rock and does her third wife thing where she like cuts herself to distract them. And both, Edward and Seth are like, you're so fucking stupid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They kill Victoria and her boy toy. Edward's like, Seth was just pretending to be hurt. It was a distraction technique, like, chill. And all they think all's gone well until Edward starts freaking out and admits to Bella that Jacob got hurt defending Leah, who, surprised Leah is a, a werewolf too, even though she's a girl. Everyone was shocked by that. And so Bella's upset that Jacob was hurt. And then the Volturi show up and clean up the mess, except the Collins have already cleaned it up. And Bella's really upset about Jacob and keeps crying over him and goes to visit him and tells him that she loves him but will never be able to be with him because she loves Edward more. And goes home and talks to Edward about the wedding and Alice has already brought her wedding dress. Alice has already had the wedding dress custom tailored by a designer. <laughs> yes. Because they, she can't just get a dress off the rack. Oh my god, no. Yes. It, uh, uh, well, Alice knew it was going to be a short time till the wedding and she had to make sure she had a good dress. They were just going to drive to Vegas and go to a drive through wedding chapel. They were both okay with that until Alice threw a temper tantrum. And then it's like, well, we have to give Alice what she wants. Mm-hmm. Of course. I don't, I don't know why Alice can't just wear the dress and get married Jasper, but that never comes up. So you know, Also, Al- there's a running thing of Alice likes to dress uh, Bella. Which what, like only, a doll? Yeah. Oh my god! Oh my god! Like, a, <laughs> like, like okay. Like I know I said I wasn't going to interrupt, but I have to interrupt about this. Alice <laughs> dresses Bella as if she's an oversized three-dimensional paper doll, aka a regular doll. <laughs> <laughs> like, the, okay, uh, that's all. Finish the book. I'm sorry. But we have we have reached the end of the summary now. That is Wait. what happens. But are we gonna epilogue? Do the epilogue? Oh, fucking F. Jacob has feelings. That's all. <laughs> yes. Get a little bit of first person Jacob, and then he turns into a wolf and runs away crying because Edward and Bella are gonna get married. And oh, and yep. and that scene, I think it was the beginning of the trailer for maybe Breaking Dawn, where like he gets the wedding invitation and then takes his shirt off and turns into a wolf and runs away. <laughs> <laughs> 
And also, Leah's there, and he just gratuitously talks about what, what a bitch she is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a very big plot point in Breaking Dawn, is, like, Leah's a raging bitch until, like, the last third. Yeah, but I'm with her. Yeah, Leah's I'm like, her I'm with her. Well. <laughs> Leah, the clear waters are the greatest. Leah and Seth are just perfect. Yes. Correct. That, that is the summary. We are done now. Wait, did we even Ooh, say? Uh, did we even say about how the Voltori come? Because they did. No, and they killed. They killed cares? the baby vampire. I mean, yeah. Who cares? But also, they do. Yes. that's all. And I did. Yeah. I did mention that just very quickly. Okay, great. Um, and they make a plot actually, point of saying, "Oh, hey, Bella, we see that you're still human." And Alice is like, "No, we have a set date. We'll visit you in a quick minute." Okay, so now we've been building this up. Danielle, tell us why you love Eclipse. Justify <laughs> well, yourself. Well, one, Eclipse is excellent. But two, so I have a job where I work with teenagers because they are the greatest people on the planet. And also, (laughs) and when I started reading the Twilight series, I think I was the target age or maybe a little bit younger in Stephanie Meyer's mind. But I started reading them around like 14, 15. So I was to some extent aging with Bella because the books came out every like one to two years. So like by the time... I got to Eclipse, I related to this book really hard because I was like, oh man, Bella Swan has all these feelings and she doesn't know what to do with them. And I think when adults read them, they feel like, aside from like you guys, because Kate, I know you explicitly love YA and, and middle grade <laughs> literature and will fight to the death over the fact that people think that that's the same thing. But like, Sometimes people forget that Bella Swan is a teenager, and it's, like, for some of us at 16 to have, like, two guys who are absolutely amazing and, like, gorgeous and, like, either rich or the family friend is the best possible life plan that could ever happen. And Bella Swan is just like, no, but I'm not like the other girls. I'm just the martyr, and, like, my life is so hard. Nobody suffers like I suffer. On the one hand, I have a hot vampire, and on the other hand, I have a hot werewolf. But, like, also all these hot human dudes who also want to get it. But, like, my life is so hard, you guys. You just don't understand. When you're this cute, it's just really difficult being alive like <laughs> so hard and i'm like i love i love bell swan also i say she's the greatest feminist ever because yes all the people around bella try to manipulate her and like sort of fit her into whatever they want her to be but she's always like you know i don't agree with that and i'm going to do whatever i want because at the end of the day bella swan gets everything that she wants and everybody, well, with the exception of Alice. And then everybody else is just like, <laughs> I think she has on the sideline. <laughs> yeah, Alice is like, I want you to have this big wedding, so you're going to have it. Or like, I want you to have this party, so like, you're going to have it. But Edward's like, I want us to be married and be like a wholesome Christian family. And she's like, so that's cute, but we're going to have sex at some <laughs> point <laughs> while I'm a human. And like, I'm like, you're not going to get around that. Or with, well, Jacob's terrible, but she was like, Jacob, you're cool, but, like, you're not cool enough to be my man, so, like, we can hang out, but it's not gonna go anywhere else. Um, or Edward wants to do all these things, but he's like, I want you to go to Dartmouth, and, like, I want to, like, give you the whole world, and she's like, no, we're not doing any of those things, we're just gonna be cute and happy vampires together, and you're gonna turn me, and you think you're not, but you really are. And so I don't care what I have to give up, but no matter what, I'm going to get what I want. And that's what she does. And it's amazing. We can all take lessons from her. We really can. (laughs) I'm so on board with that. And it it sort of bugs me that, you know, people like I think agency is the thing that gets used really 
in critiques, I guess, of people. It's a lot of times it's just like that female character doesn't have agency. It means mm-hmm. she's not making the choices that I would make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like that's kind of yes. the opposite of what agency means. Actually, exactly. That's why I say I love these books on a micro level because uh-huh. on a micro level, Bella Swan is just like walks up to a situation and she's like, "Okay, I see what I want, and I'm getting it." But on a macro level, it's like. Bella Swan is forced to fit into this box because she has to do what her husband says. Right. But also, because she's like, I know what I want, but a lot of the times what she wants is for other people to be happy because she is She's a true submissive. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a choice that she's made. Exactly. She's made the choice. And there's power in submission. You know, you can't just say everybody gets part of me you say i'm giving part of me to select a select few that's a really good point it's like she's not gonna do it she's not doing it for mike newton you know Uh -uh. she's doing it for alex (laughs) another thing that i like a lot is like her nostalgia she's having or like oh soon i'll never see these people again because i'll be a vampire it is like very similar to just like oh i'm graduating high school i'm going to college like it's never going to be the same again and i thought that was like really poignant even though it's, like, a whole different level because of being a vampire, but it still, like, is that emotion. Also, we've all just defended this book, and we all need to drink. Oh, where's my drink? My thing about the agency thing that always pisses me off, and I'm going to specifically, so take a, a drink in advance of what I'm about to say. Will do. All right. um, specifically I'm going to reference Bella and Anastasia Steele, is that people take these first-person narratives where these women are literally propelling the action of the book forward through the decisions that they make, good or bad, whether or not you agree with them, and their main argument about why their garbage anti-feminist propaganda meant to poison women's minds is that they have no agency. Literally... Everything that happens in the book happens because of choices they make. Like, they are the protagonists, they're the narrator. I don't understand how you can make, how you can look at any of these books and make that argument. Because they're literally making all the choices that are moving things forward. Drink for literally. Yep, drink for literally. (laughs) (laughs) It's... It's not even in Bella's case that she has a limited set of choices. Like, that's nope. kind of, I guess, where it makes sense that, like, everybody in the high school wants to be her friend and wants to go out with her or whatever. Because she, like, she's not, like, with the only people she could choose. She could literally do anything. She could illegally go to Dartmouth there what oh god I think I'm feeling the drink now <laughs> <laughs> she could illegally go to Dartmouth but she's like no I would like to hang out in Washington State where it's cloudy or possibly Alaska and like hunt cougars with my hot made of stone boyfriend forever yes yeah. so so I would not make that choice but I mean I might make a choice that involved like Alice dressing me for the rest of my life <laughs> i mean i would make that choice right now i'd know right about it actually i would make that choice right now alice Cullen would have, have a great style but like maybe that's like a whole thing that is happening that we don't even see is that she's a a designer and shit you know and stuff anyway oh you meant because of clothes i meant for other reasons <laughs> <laughs> i mean clothes too i do care a lot about clothes uh-huh. We're but all, I meant for other reasons. We're all Alice Cullen submissives. 
Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I was. Oh, wait. But also speaking of Alice Cullen, I have one other thing that I'm mad about, which is, okay. um, Edward gets Alice to like hold Bella hostage, and how he does this is by bribing her by buying her a Porsche. But like, yep. shouldn't they all be equally rich? Can't she buy her own car? Well, but I just thought that now she doesn't have to. <laughs> Yeah, and she said it was, like, the one that she stole in Italy. That's why it was special. It was like it. It wasn't the exact one. Oh, well, I tried. She could have gotten right. it herself. <laughs> you're right. She could have gotten it bought it. But I, I, I just thought that was kind of part of the game. You know, I thought that was uh, there was obviously a um, a sort of for fun thing happening there. And Alice was super sad. She was like, oh, God, Bella ran away. He's going to steal my car back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, can we talk about Jacob some more? Uh, <laughs> yes, we can. Have, are we done with the stuff we liked about the book? Mm, I, I, I mean, I think so. we'll reserve the right to return to it if we think okay. of it. Okay, so what I what I said while I was reading this is, this is at least the second time I've read it, and I've seen the movie, although I may have slept through most of the movie, but I've seen it. Mm. Um, I, I didn't watch it. You didn't sleep through the Jasper before. part, did you? No, but I mean I don't remember. <laughs> but but I, I mean I only watched one of these movies sober, and that were there were extenuating circumstances. But um, anyway, so uh, my point is that I, as I was reading this one, it dawned on me that this is basically a horror story that Jacob Bella part about a like girl who is like she can't have be friends with this guy until she decides that she wants to fuck him. Like she gets basically gaslighted into the point where she's like, Oh yes, I do love you. And I just, I was so mad the first time I read that, like I threw the book because (laughs) I'm just like, no, the point is, I mean, obviously she loves him, but she's like, Oh, I'm in love with you. And she's kind of like four. And I kind of, I really kind of felt like that was the author trying to make all the fans happy. But also it's like, what is the point in like sort of forcing her to get to this point where she has to admit that she wants this one dude and then she can't have him. Like it was, I don't know. It was such a, like, I, I kind of felt like there was something, an interesting like undercurrent there that you could go with. But I feel like we're still supposed to like Jacob. Like, but, I, yeah, agree. I feel like I and this has turned out to be not as much of a, a commonly held opinion as I thought at the time. When I read the first Hunger Games book, I read it as an arc before it came out. Um, I was working at the bookstore; they sent it to me, and I like it was very clear to me that even though the romance in those books I think is much more of a subplot than the actual dystopia and everything yeah. that. Um, Katniss was going to end up with Peeta, that Gail was going to be like the best friend who distracted her slightly, but then ended up, and I don't know if that's because I have read a lot of these books, Mm -hmm. because I am a writer, because that's the way my brain works, but it was very clear, even from the first book, that was what was supposed to happen to me. Yes, it is. Mm. I agree. Reading these books, it's even more clear. Jacob isn't even in the fucking first book for more than a hot minute. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like... I cannot understand going into these books and being like, I genuinely believe that the author is going to put these two characters together. <laughs> it I makes... guess you... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I guess if you think of, because Stephanie Meyer always said the Twilight was meant to be standalone. Uh-huh. And then her authors, I mean, her um, publishers were like, this is hot. You need to write more. Maybe people were like, oh, well, if you think of the first book as standalone, since Bella spent the entire second book with Jacob, like, he's a real contender. He's not. But. Yeah, right. 
you might think that. This is something I was um, talking about on Twitter the other day. was like, in YA, when there's a love triangle between, like, a childhood best friend and a new person, like, it's almost always the new person, which makes uh-huh. sense as, like, you know, coming of age and, like, outgrowing, like, your childhood or whatever, but, like, I, um, I think friend of the show, Caitlin, not Kate, came up with, like, a couple examples, but she was, like, the only one. Everyone else was, like, yeah, pretty, oh, and Anne of Green Gables also. But, like, pretty much, if your childhood best friend is a love interest, you're not ending up with that person. Uh, plus, um, so when I when when I started working at the bookstore, right, when Eclipse came out, and I worked the Breaking Dawn uh, party that they had for the release of that book, and I, at the time, I hadn't read any of the books, except the first one, um, and having read this book, at the end of this book, it is incredibly explicit that she is marrying Edward and that she loves Jacob, but she knows she can't be with him. And it's so clear. And looking back at that time, when we had that party, there were so many people there wearing Team Jacob t-shirts that looking back at that in retrospect, I'm like, how? How could you read the end of this book and think, like, there's still a chance for my ship? Like, I understand shipping something, even when you know it's not going to happen in canon. That is, that is why shipping exists. I get it. I've been there. But, <laughs> like, I, I can't understand this obsession with actually thinking that it's going to happen. I think there is also, yeah, I, I mean, something to think about is, like, when we're reading stuff like this, at least for us, you know, we read it as adults, and we've already read a lot of maybe kind of similar books. But if you are a younger teen reading this, maybe you haven't read a lot of other love triangles and this is all kind of new to you. And you're like, well, I like Jacob more. So even though it seems like this, maybe it's going to like twist around or whatever. Like, uh, But doesn't Bella like cry for like six to 12 hours over the fact that she can't be with Jacob? Isn't that this book where she just like can't drive because she's crying so hard? And she's like, Charlie, me and Jacob talked. And Charlie's like, well, that sucks because he, like, got his whole left side broken. She's like, too fucking bad. And just, like, <laughs> and, like spends all night crying, being but, like, well, whew, glad I got that out of my system. But she also kind of feels like she fucked up by being the person who, like, quote, let him on or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And she's got a fucking goddamn murder complex the entire book. Because she just she wants to be punished. <laughs> she does. But, I, I mean, she, she wants to still be friends with him. And I get that, like, sometimes you really can't maintain that friendship, you know? And I'm like, you have to respect it if the person is like, I can't be around you because, you know, I just want to date you and that's the only way I could think of you. But I don't know. He just, like, like I feel like he wouldn't even just come out and say that, you know? So she's kind of having to, to put it all on herself. <sighs> Anyway, but and she would like to still be, and the fact is that she kind of ends up feeling like she's being selfish because she would like to still be friends with Jacob, even though she likes Edward, you know? Um, so, uh, I don't know. That was very frustrating to me. Yeah. And like the, I mean, like the selfishness too is not, I mean, obviously she thinks that like she's fucking selfish for all of the things right. that she does the entire time because she's got a fucking murder complex. But like the selfishness is not in being like, I want to be friends with right. Jacob. It's in, like, Jacob being, like, even though I, you know, I know that you just want to be friends, I'm still going to continue to pursue you romantically because that's what I want, even though it's clear you don't want it. 
I don't like Jacob. In case that was clear, when I said earlier that I wanted to set him on fire. <laughs> Should we move on to our dramatic readings? It might be a good idea. <laughs> I yep. think. I think yes. Highly recommend. Great. I'm excited for it. All right, which one's the first one? The first one is you guys. The imprinting on the baby. Yeah, baby imprint. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, Danielle's going to be Bella and Caroline's going to be Jacob. It's going to be great. And we, this book is so crazy that we have not even talked about this aspect of the plot yet. I mean, because so. it really oh, yeah. comes in more next book. In the last book, but... yeah. It's more of a preview, yeah. Okay. So what's the latest pack scandal? I asked lightly. Jacob skidded to a halt, and he stared down at me with shocked eyes. What? That was a joke. Oh. He looked away. I waited for him to start walking again, but he seemed lost in thought. Is there a scandal? I wondered. Jacob chuckled once. Chuckle? I forget what it's like not having everyone know everything all the time, having a quiet, private place inside my head. We walked along the stony beach quietly for a few minutes. So, what is it? I finally asked. That everyone in your head already knows. He hesitated for a moment, as if he weren't sure how much he was going to tell me. Then he sighed and said, Quill imprinted. That's three now. The rest of us are starting to get worried. Maybe it's more common than the stories say. He frowned and then turned to stare at me. He gazed into my eyes without speaking, his eyebrows furrowed in concentration. What are you staring at? I asked, feeling self-conscious. He sighed. Nothing. Jacob started walking again. Without seeming to think about it, he reached out and took my hand. We paced silently across the rocks. I thought of how we must look walking hand in hand down the beach, like a couple, certainly, and wondered if I should object. But this was the way it had always been with Jacob. No reason to get worked up about it now. Why is Quill's imprinting such a scandal? I asked when it didn't look like he was going to go on. Is it because he's the newest one? That doesn't have anything to do with it. Then what's the problem? It's another one of those legend things. I wonder when we're going to stop being surprised that they're all true. He muttered to himself. Are you going to tell me or do I have to guess? You'd never get it right. See, Quill hasn't been hanging out with us, you know, until just recently. So he hadn't been around Emily's place too much. Quill imprinted on Emily too? I gasped. No, I told you not to guess. Emily had her two nieces down for a visit and Quill met Claire. He didn't continue. I thought about that for a moment. Emily doesn't want her niece with a werewolf? That's a little hypocritical, I said. But I could understand why she of all people might feel that way. I thought again of the long scars that marred her face and extended all the way down her right arm. Sam had lost control just once when he was standing too close to her. Once was all it took. I'd seen the pain in Sam's eyes when he looked at what he'd done to Emily. I could understand why Emily might want to protect her niece from that. Would you please stop guessing your way off? Emily doesn't mind that part. It's just, well, a little early. What do you mean, early? Jacob appraised me with narrowed eyes. Try not to be judgmental, okay? I nodded cautiously. Claire is two, Jacob told me. Rain started to fall. 
I blinked furiously as the drops pelted my face. Jacob waited in silence. He wore no jacket, as usual. The rain left a spatter of dark spots on his black t-shirt and dripped through his shaggy hair. His face was expressionless as he watched mine. Quill imprinted. With a two-year-old? <laughs> I was finally able... <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> no, this is the correct response. <laughs> yeah, you have to laugh. I was, I was finally able to ask. It happens. Jacob shrugged. He bent to grab another rock and sent it flying out into the bay. Or so the stories say. But she's a baby. <laughs> I protested. He looked at me with dark amusement. Quill is not getting any older. What? Sorry, that took me by surprise. <laughs> he reminded me. That was gross. Okay. <laughs> he reminded me a bit of acid in his tone. He'll just have to be patient for a few decades. I don't know what to say. Fair. I was trying my... <laughs> I was trying my hardest not to be critical, but in truth, I was horrified. Until now, nothing about the werewolves had bothered me since the day I'd found out they weren't committing the murders I'd suspected them of. You're making judgments. I can see it on your face. Sorry, I muttered, but it sounds really creepy. It's not like that. You've got it all wrong. (laughs) Jacob defended his friend, suddenly vehement. I've seen what it's like through his eyes. There's nothing romantic about it at all. Not for Quill. Not now. He took a deep breath, frustrated. It's so hard to describe. It's not like love at first sight, really. It's more like gravity moves. When you see her, suddenly it's not the earth holding you here anymore. She does. And nothing matters more than her. And you would do anything for her. Be anything for her. You become whatever she needs you to be, whether that's a protector or a lover or a friend or a brother. Quill will be the best, kindest big brother any kid ever had. There isn't a toddler on the planet that will be more carefully looked after than that little girl will be. And then when she's older and needs a friend, he'll be more understanding, trustworthy, and reliable than anyone else she knows. And then when she's grown up, they'll be as happy as Emily and Sam. A strange, bitter edge sharpened his tone at the very end when he spoke of Sam. Doesn't Claire get a choice here? Of course, but why wouldn't she choose him in the end? He'll be her perfect match, like he was designed for her alone. And that's the end. Uh, Jacob doesn't get anything, does he? Oh, that was so gross. Oh, so I think we, I guess we don't really have to explain what imprinting is after this on that point. Not really. Oh, God. Okay, here's a thought experiment. Okay, please. (laughs) Please. Would it be any less, I think it would still be disgusting, but like, would it be less like viscerally disgusting if Leah had imprinted on a baby? I mean, did you see Mm. The Phantom Menace? Yes, but I, I, I think her. I put it out of my mind. I'm thinking of Natalie Portman falling in love with the little kid. Oh yeah, I think, and it I wasn't think for me. I think for me, it would be upsetting, and this is like this is probably like fucking anxiety, and also I hate men, but it's like angrily disgusting thinking about a man falling in love with a baby girl, imprinting on a baby girl. 
And for like a woman imprinting on a baby boy like that, I would still be disgusted, but I probably wouldn't be angry to the same degree, which is definitely just because I fucking hate men. <sighs> but yeah, I see so some weird mommy kink if like a if like a grown woman hit like imprinted on a baby boy. Yeah, that'd be weird. I know. I, like, it would definitely be weird. I feel like it might be, like, slightly less repulsive. I don't know. Yeah. I think for me it's less repulsive because even though I, I know that there are, like, women pedophiles who prey on young men. Which, like, which Lurley and McDaniel yes. wrote a book about that I discovered yes. after we recorded that episode. I found it in his bookstore. Yes. <laughs> anyway. But to me... I find it more likely that a guy would be gross about a prepubescent girl. Like, I would buy that a woman would just be the best older sister and confidant for this boy until he reaches an age that is appropriate to have sex with him. Um, Um, That's where it gets weird for me. It's so weird. It. I do not understand this premise at all. But like, no, it's totally cool. It's totally because, like, fine. Even if, even if it's true and they don't have sexual feelings for these people when they're children, how do you go from being, like, someone's best friend and big brother to being, like, now we're going to fuck because you're 18? Like, I I can't have dual relationships like that. Maybe I'm broken, but no. I usually either want to fuck someone or I don't. And I definitely don't want to fuck people that I think of as like babies. I need to protect because oh. they're like younger siblings to me. Yeah, Although, you know that weird. is kind of Edward's whole thing with Bella. Like I need to protect her, and I'm a hundred years older than her. Ew, we, this is mm. now that I mm, I hate everything. All vampire stories boil down to that. When you think about it for a minute, it is frequently a man who's hundreds of years old with a teenage girl. And no matter what they look like, that's still what the premise is. And there's a really good book about that that I recommended in the Reader's Advisory for one of the other Twilights. But now I can't remember the title or the author. But we'll link to those. Wait, it's a, it's a, about what? Is it like a non? Is it like nonfiction, like criticism, or like it's fiction? No, it's um, it's a teen fiction book about a support group for vampires. Oh yeah, yeah. And how like it explicitly addresses how like I was made into a vampire when I was six, and now I look like a six year old. Yeah, I think <laughs> maybe it's just called like vampire support group, something like that. Maybe it's, there's it's another something word like, in there. Yeah. Have we said anything that we can drink about? Because I feel like I need to drink. Like, I just, I literally need a drink right now. There we go. <laughs> Christian Grey <laughs> is the worst. Drink. If he, he is know, garbage. He is a garbage Gray... trash. <laughs> garbage, but garbage. But I feel like Christian Grey at least explicitly outlines all of the ways that he gets to manipulate Anastasia Steele. That's right. As and opposed his sex to just... Which, oh shit, yeah. I forgot we were doing dramatic readings. We've got a dramatic reading about sex paper awake. We're okay, gonna yeah, get let's, to that. Let's, let's go on. <laughs> Alright, the next dramatic reading is Renata's favorite part. Yeah. The flashback to how Jasper turn into a vampire. Although, Renata will be Jasper. Although, and, and I will be... Oh yeah, you'll be Maria. I gotta say, and I'm not saying this just so I can take another drink, but it's so much better in the movie. <laughs> it really is better in the movie because it's visual and you don't have to deal with this whole chapter of dialogue. 
It's like, <gasps> it, let's tell you about the awesome thing that happened. It didn't even need to be a chapter long. It could have been like, oh, yeah, I was like vampire, like lieutenant. And then I didn't like it anymore. Done. No, we needed this. <laughs> we did. Okay. So, uh, uh, Maria slash Kate, take it away. All right. What is your name, soldier? Maria asked me. Major Jasper Whitlock, ma'am? I stammered, unable to be impolite <laughs> to a female. Gross, Jasper. <laughs> Even if she was a female. ghost. <laughs> I truly hope you survive, Jasper. I have a good feeling about you. She took a step closer and inclined her head as if she were going to kiss me. I stood frozen in place, though my instincts were screaming at me to run. A few days later, I was introduced to my new life. Their names were Maria, Nettie, and Lucy. They hadn't been together long. Maria had rounded up the other two. All three were survivors of recently lost battles. Theirs was a partnership of convenience. Maria wanted revenge, and she wanted her territories back. The others were eager to increase their... Herdlands, I guess you could say. They were putting together an army and going about it more carefully than usual. It was Maria's idea. She wanted a superior army, so she sought out specific humans who had potential. Then she gave us much more attention, more training than anyone else had bothered with. She taught us to fight, and she taught us to be invisible to the humans. When we did well, we were rewarded. She was in a hurry, though. Maria knew that the massive strength of the newborn began to wane around the year mark, and she wanted to act while we were strong. There were six of us when I joined Maria's band. She added four more within a fortnight. We were all male. Maria wanted soldiers, and that made it slightly more difficult to keep from fighting amongst ourselves. I fought my first battles against my new comrades in arms. I was quicker than the others, better at combat. Maria was pleased with me, though put out that she had to keep replacing the ones I destroyed. I was rewarded often, and that made me stronger. Maria was a good judge of character. She decided to put me in charge of the others, as if I were being promoted. It suited my nature exactly. The casualties went down dramatically, and our numbers swelled to around 20. This was considerable for the cautious times we lived in. My ability, as yet undefined, to control the emotional atmosphere around me was vitally effective. We soon began to work together in a way that newborn vampires had never cooperated before. I'm not drunk. That sentence is that, and it doesn't make sense. Anyway, even... I mean, I am drunk, probably. Even Maria, Nettie, and Lucy were able to work together more easily. Maria grew quite fond of me. She began to depend upon me. And, in some ways, I worshipped the ground she walked on. I had no idea that any other life was possible. Maria told us this was the way things were, and we believed. She asked me to tell her when my brothers and I were ready to fight, and I was eager to prove myself. I pulled together an army of 23 in the end. 23 unbelievably strong new vampires, organized and skilled as no others before. Maria was ecstatic. We crept down toward Monterey, her former home, 
and she unleashed us on her enemies. They had only nine newborns at the time, and a pair of older vampires controlling them. We took them down more easily than Maria could believe, losing only four in the process. <laughs> Renata, what is this accent? <laughs> it's Jasper! <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, you guys. It was an unheard of margin of victory. And we were well-trained. We did it without attracting notice. The city changed hands without any humans being aware. Success made Maria greedy. It wasn't long before she began to eye other cities. That first year, she extended her control to cover most of Texas and northern Mexico. Then the others came from the south to dislodge her. He brushed two fingers along the faint pattern of scars on his arm. The fighting was intense. Many began to worry that the Volturi would return. Of the original 23, I was the only one to survive the first 18 months. We both won and lost. Nettie and Lucy turned on Maria eventually, but that one, we won. Maria and I were able to hold on to Monterey. It quieted a little, though the wars continued. The idea of conquest was dying out. It was mostly vengeance and feuding now. So many had lost our partners, and that is something our kind does not forgive. Whew. So that flashback actually goes, that goes on for like several more pages, actually. But, uh, you get the gist. <laughs> oh, Jasper. <laughs> okay, cool. So, uh, one more, one more, and it is going to be, I'll be Edward, and Kate will be Bella. And it's going to be Bella trying to convince Edward to go to the bone zone with her. Do you get the feeling that everything is backward? Traditionally, shouldn't you be arguing my side and I yours? There isn't much that's traditional about you and me. True. He kissed me again and kept going until my heart was racing and my skin was flushed. Look, Edward, I murmured, my voice wheedling when he paused to kiss the palm of my hand. I said I would marry you and I will. I promise, I swear. If you want, I'll sign a contract in my own blood. Not funny. He murmured against the inside of my wrist. What I'm saying is this. I'm not going to trick you or anything. You know me better than that. So there's really no reason to wait. We're completely alone. How often does that happen? And you've provided this very large and comfortable bed. Not tonight. Don't you trust me? Of course I do. Using the hand that he was still kissing, I pulled his face back up to where I could see his expression. Then what's the problem? It's not like you didn't know you were going to win in the end. I frowned and muttered. You always win. Just hedging my bets. There's something else, I guessed, my eyes narrowing. There was a defensiveness about his face, a faint hint of some secret motive he was trying to hide behind his casual manner. Are you planning to go back on your word? No. I swear to you, we will try. After you marry me. I shook my head and laughed glumly. You make me feel like a villain in a melodrama, twirling my mustache while I try to steal some poor girl's virtue. His eyes were wary as they flashed across my face, 
Then he quickly ducked down to press his lips against my collarbone. That's it, isn't it? The short laugh that escaped me was more shocked than amused. You're trying to protect your virtue. I covered my mouth with my hand to muffle the giggle that followed. The words were so old-fashioned. No, silly girl. I'm trying to protect yours. And you're making it shockingly difficult. All the ridiculous... Let me ask you something. We've had this discussion before, but humor me. How many people in this room have a soul, a shot at heaven, or whatever there is after this life? Two, I answered immediately, my voice fierce. All right, maybe that's true. Now there's a world full of dissension about this, but the vast majority seem to think that there are some rules that have to be followed. Vampire rules aren't enough for you? You want to worry about human ones, too? It couldn't hurt. Just in case. Oh, Edward, you're so confused. <laughs> we, I mean, we had to really pick carefully which section of that to read because it goes on for forever, this discussion they have. <sighs> like, way longer than Jasper's Civil War flashback. <laughs> Way longer than the Civil War itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true. Alright. Do some would you rather? Uh, yeah, we should definitely. Uh, so before we get into the would you rathers, we're going to start with some fucking marrying killing. So, fucking marrying killing. Edward, Jacob, and Bella. Okay. So we, um, one of the drinking game rules that we haven't used yet is to drink when I reference another podcast, and we're going to do that one, because I can't stop thinking of the How Did This Get Made episode about Breaking Dawn, where uh, their guest is the comedian Doug Benson, and he just keeps yelling, her dick is going to kill her! (laughs) (laughs) And that's that's my fear about fucking Edward. So I'm marrying Edward for the money. I, it's... I mean, I think it depends, like, what stage of time that we're, like, considering this. Because during Eclipse, I'm pretty mad at Jacob and I would killing him. But overall, like, the concept of Jacob, once he's 18, I would probably rather fucking him and killing Bella. But if it's specifically Eclipse, I would probably fucking Bella and killing Jacob. Yeah, I mean, for me, it basically falls along the same lines. Um, I've been marrying Edward for the money. Um, and also so that I could have an affair with his sister. <laughs> and I would fucking Bella because Kristen Stewart and also I'm a lesbian. And I would fucking, I would killing set Jacob on fire because yeah. I hate him. <laughs> hate Jacob. Everyone else? Danielle, do you want to go? Mm, nope, I'm good. Said everything about how Bella's the greatest feminist ever. Don't need to defend these dudes. <laughs> Wait, this, so are you marrying her or? Yes, I'm gonna marry Bella, no, and then no, really... no, Jared's only. You have to oh. marrying her. Oh yes, I'm gonna <laughs> marrying Bella. I would like to killing both Jacob and Edward, and I'm going to choose to fucking Alice. That's what I'm gonna. Oh, you win. Good one. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> pushing outside the. Wait, room. is that an option? I don't want to fucking Alice. <laughs> Not an option, but um, I think Danielle is like Bella Swan making her own rules. Fortune favors so the I think that that's appropriate. And I'm too drunk to strictly enforce the rules right now. <laughs> <laughs> also, I would I would choose to be 
Alice's paper doll that's not paper. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to be totally honest that I don't want to fucking any of these people. Oh, no, um, no. But, but it, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm killing Jacob. <sighs> I guess I'm marrying Bella and fucking Edward. I don't know. Woo! His dick is going to kill you. Yeah, but you know, it'd be interesting. I mean, I, I feel like, I, okay, look, I feel like the definition of fucking here is like, I feel like Edward could negotiate things that wouldn't be deadly with somebody who's more reasonable than Boa. So I'm okay with that. Are you going to get vampire pregnant? No, I, I don't, I don't want to get vampire pregnant. We can do like something with like toys or whatever. Nice. You know, mm. which again, you know, that I think that counts. And um, I would, yeah, I mean, I'd marry Bella, you know, I'd hang out Marrying. with her. She'd get annoying. I would marrying her. We could get divorced. You know, that's sort of, I'd hang out with Renee and Charlie. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I, I'm obviously not enthusiastic about any of these options. I mean, they are all eternal teenagers. Right, right. Yeah, that's a problem. But Bella's Kristen Stewart. Yeah, I mean, she's pretty great. Sorry, I'm, I'm a I, lesbian. I think like the lesbian here is like, it's, it's, it has a different, um, a different view on this than the rest of us do. I also love Kristen Stewart. Anyway. Good, good fucking marrying, killing everyone. <laughs> um, also, Excellent. I still would like to killing Aspen. What's his name from the selection? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make I sure mean, he well. is dead. I hate him so much. <laughs> what a jackass that guy is. Oh, we should drink for that too. Mm, right. <laughs> okay. Cool. Wow, I've almost finished this bottle. I've never done that before. <laughs> that's that's how we play this game. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, would you rather be a newborn vampire or be stuck with the La Push werewolf hive mind? Definitely be a newborn vampire, especially if I get the added Bella Swan benefits from the next book. I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with the hive mind. Like Jacob is very annoyed by this and he hates it because like you lose all your privacy because like the other werewolves can read your thoughts. But like I already tweet all of my thoughts all the time (laughs) for like way more people than are in the werewolf pack. So I'm like okay with that. And then I would get all this juicy gossip directly (laughs) beamed into my head. (laughs) See, I'm tempted by the juicy gossip but even though I do tweet most of my thoughts, I heavily workshop them first. So I'm actually going the other way where I'll be a newborn vampire and just hope that I can, you know, fucking hang around long enough to be a not newborn vampire because I don't want everyone to see how much thought I put into the stupid fucking one-liners. <laughs> like, no one needs to know that. I want everyone to think that I'm naturally witty and think of these things off the cuff. Fair. I are am I a werewolf or do I just have a hive mind? You, yeah, you are you are a werewolf and you're in the hive mind. Okay, I'm I'm just kind of a just a werewolf person as far as my preference for and I and the thing I don't like about werewolves is that you can't control your transformations, but these werewolves are actually pretty good at controlling the transformation. Plus, I feel like Leah Clearwater and I would have an awesome time. Oh, like yeah. if there's another chick in the hive mind. You know, I think that that would just totally change. I would not want to be Leah in that hive mind. But I feel like at least having two girls there would really change the dynamic. I love Leah. I would hang out with her forever. So I'm going to choose to be in the werewolf hive mind with, with, on the condition that there is also another lady. Yeah. Would you rather 
get married in Vegas or let Alice plan your wedding? This is hard because as previously discussed, I would like to be Alice's dress up paper doll that's not made of paper. But I also think it would be really fun to get married in Vegas. Like, I'm, I'm not anywhere near getting married right now, but I think that would be, like, in my top five list. Like, I'm a very campy person, and, like, that is the maximum most campy wedding you could have, I think. Well, maybe Disney, but I would rather do Vegas than Disney. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Alice because she'll pay for it. <laughs> I will absolutely go Alice because I feel like Alice wants to plan a wedding more than she wants to plan a specific wedding that she has in mind. I feel like it's different for Bella because she's so dragging her feet, but I'm actually really into planning my wedding. So I feel like if I told her, like, this is my vision, she would actually do a really good job of doing all the parts that I don't have the patience to do to make my dream wedding. Mm. So I'm all over that. Like, I want to tell her, like, this is, I want a T-length dress with sleeves this length with lace. And have her be like, okay, I'm calling up, like, my favorite up-and-coming designer to make you a dress (laughs) to my specific expectations that I saw in my vision of your future. Like, (laughs) that sounds pretty ideal for me to be like, well, I want to get married in this sort of setting. And her to be like, I'm already calling them. Like... (laughs) Do you think Alice would plan, would she plan a Vegas wedding? Never in her life. <laughs> no, she, she, she likes the spectacle too much. But like you could have a, you could, it could be a destination wedding. Like you could invite a whole bunch but of pe- I feel like people if the Collins are bankrolling it. If she did it, if she planned a Vegas wedding, I feel like it wouldn't be a Vegas wedding. It would be like a wedding in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Like. I, I feel like when I think Vegas wedding, I think, like, a couple people in front of a guy dressed as Elvis or a person from Star Trek or something, and, you know, you get a bunch of poker chips and bar tickets when you're done. Yeah, in, in Renata's version, I'm assuming there are drag queens involved. Oh, my yes. God. <laughs> yes. Like in, like in Jane the Virgin and drink for that. Okay. I, I'm Alice all the way. I too would want, so I would want an Alice wedding for like my first wedding. So this is like Bella Swan and Edward's like first wedding with all of her family and friends. I'd want that to be my first wedding with all of my my human family and friends. And then (laughs) when it's just me and my vampire boo, then we can just go to Vegas whenever we want and get married like a million more times. (laughs) Okay, fair, fair. By Chad Michaels. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no mine would definitely have to be either Latrice Royale oh. or Alyssa Edwards because Alyssa is just crazy Why are, let's get you married have, <laughs> you, can, you can have a wedding where you go to Universal and you get married right when Joss pops out of the water you can just have a list of all your I guess that's a drink that's a drink Kevin Smith reference fucking callback like, make a list of all of the greatest ways to get married and just be like, well, we fucking live forever now, so let's fucking do this. <laughs> oh, sh- nice. this is, like, the first thing that's made me want to date a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I say, you don't have to date a vampire. I watched a tragic reality show where the woman has, they get married every year. Because her <laughs> philosophy is if you're planning a wedding then there's no time to plan a divorce oh fuck <laughs> that's dark 
All right, last would you rather, would you rather find your soulmate via imprinting or by using christianmingle.com? Straight up, christianmingle.com. I don't want to imprint on a baby. Same, same. Even if that's, like, not likely, I don't want there to be a chance. Yeah, like, if you're imprinting, there is a greater than zero chance. (laughs) And, like, with Christian Mingle, like, babies can't use computers. There's a zero percent chance of falling in love with a baby and Christian Mingle. (laughs) I mean, there is a chance that you'll fall in love with, like, three children in a trench coat, but that's still better than a baby. That's three times better than a baby. (laughs) Yeah, same. same. I think we're all anti-baby imprinting. I have to go with, I'm going to go with imprinting on this one because okay. specifically only the dudes imprint on baby girls. And as a girl in this scenario, I would just grow up knowing that no matter what, I have at least one dude on lock and I can like find somebody else. But if not, I always have a backup plan. Wait, so you're saying you're imprinted upon? Yes, I would want to be the person who is imprinted upon. Okay. Interesting. Yes. Because, because then that's actually an interesting love triangle. The guy who imprinted on you and you decide if you want to keep that guy or like go for what's behind door number two, I guess. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So it's been waiting for me. Yeah, I would like to be imprinted upon. Oh, okay, fair. That's a good, that's a good yes. Okay. I like the way you think. <laughs> yeah. You're a good thinker. <laughs> You have a great, you have a great mind, Danielle. Oh, thank you. All right, that's would you rather? Wait, is that something that would make Christian Mingle not want to sponsor us? Because that's a drink. I am sure. Drink. Although yeah, they probably do want to advertise that there aren't babies on it. Let's just drink anyway. Okay. <laughs> ChristianMingle.com, the dating website that definitely doesn't have babies on it. <laughs> All right. This is amazing. That's solid. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, we're going to move on to an abbreviated reader's advisory because we have already done reader's advisory for Twilight and New Moon, and there's, like, a lot of overlap. So we'll link to our previous reader's advisories, and then we're just going to toss out a few more quick recommendations for either things that are specific to Eclipse or just things we did not know about the last two years. So my reader's advisory is if you like stories that are about a girl conflicted between a teenage girl conflicted between a boy her own age and a boy who is about a hundred and a man who is about a hundred years older than her, please just watch the first and second X Men movies. Because it will show up, I promise you. That is my reason. That's my reader's advisory. Oh, mine is if you like if you like Civil War old people uh, watch also Wolverine Origins (laughs) 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 well really that's just the credits of Wolverine Origins but you should keep watching the whole movie though (laughs) it didn't come up in the discussion but I was going to mention Wuthering Heights because that is specifically a book that Bella has been reading that gets talked about in this novel so um I, I, I and I believe they even have like Twilight theme covers for it. Yes. So I don't want to get into Wuthering Heights, but you know, that's something if you like like weird unsatisfying love triangle triangles where everybody's kind of a dick. Oh, I have a specific, very specific recommendation also, which you should drink for because I'm about to recommend a podcast. Um there's a podcast called Super Ego Forgotten Classics, 
where the improv group Superego, they get classic novels, and they know they're ones that none of them had ever read before. And so they only get the title of the book and the first and the last lines and then a list of all the characters and then they improvise what they think the book is about. That sounds amazing. And they did Wuthering Heights and it's so good. And they have decided in their improv that Wuthering Heights is a ramshackle orgy hut. And it's really great. And so this is like a very like specific rec though because this podcast, you have to download the Howl app which is like an app where all the Earwolf podcasts are and then also some special bonus ones such as Forgotten Classics. But you can get a one-month free trial and you can definitely listen to all the Forgotten Classics in that one month and uh, you should do that. (laughs) Cool. I'm going to give some readers advisory that doesn't really have anything to do with Twilight because A, I'm Twilighted out when it comes to readers' advisory, and B, I figured once I'd been drinking, I wouldn't be able to really talk about things except for things that I like a real whole lot. So here are three things I like a real whole lot that I think that you should like too. The first is a musical that is premiering on Broadway in the fall called Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. It is an electropop opera based on 70 pages of War and Peace. I have recommended it on this podcast several times before, but I'm doing it again. Um, It's going to be fucking great. You're going to want to get in on the ground floor of this. It's going to be zeitgeisty next year. And get in on it now so that when all your friends were like, oh my god, have you heard this new musical? You could be like, yeah, I listened to the off-Broadway cast recording before it even opened on Broadway. And you'll feel real good about yourself. Oh, that is my favorite way to feel good about myself. And there, and there, is, there is a love triangle. It's, it's great. I agree. I think last time we talked, you guys convinced me to listen to it. So, number two, it is the fall, or it will be the fall by the time you're listening to this, which is the perfect time to watch the mini series over the garden wall. It is a mini series put out by Cartoon Network. It is amazing. It's on Hulu for free. It's ten episodes, and they're fifteen minutes long each. So it's like two and a half hours long. So. Definitely watch that. It's amazing. And the last thing is I just read the book um, Some Kind of Happiness by Claire Legrand. It's a middle grade book that deals incredibly well with mental illness and anxiety, especially for, you know, younger people and children. And it's really amazing. And you should read it. And those are three things that I think you should do. We should drink because Duarte just interrupted me, and also I recommend Duarte. <laughs> <laughs> you should all oh, also watch him. <laughs> a movie because I did I did a, a musical, I did music, book, and a TV show. Here's a movie. Conjuring Two just came out on DVD. Watch it; it's amazing. You don't even have to watch Conjuring One, but you should. You should just watch both the Conjurings all, all the time. <laughs> are they just... horror movies or are they just like? regular movies good question they're horror movies they're haunted house movies and they're amazing because they are not like because everybody when they hear horror they think torture porn and that's not what horror is horror is like a multifaceted genre these are ghost movies they're haunted house movies about these married this married couple that hunts ghosts and exercises ghosts and the themes of these movies are trust your loved ones family saves the day and love can conquer all 
they're great. There's good scares. And then at the end of the day, like, love saves the day. So basically, these movies were made for me. You should Aww. watch. That's all I have. Thanks, guys. Um, also, you should watch Repel's Drag Race. And, yes. and Jane the Virgin, because two of the characters get married in Vegas by one of the competitors of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, so good. Okay, okay. We'll have all of that and the other things that we forgot to say and things that we have previously said, and perhaps some things that we might say in the future, will all be at worstbestsellers.com. And now we're going to do our candy pairing where we suggest candy. And minus, minus Twizzlers. But specifically, like, a big five-pound thing of Twizzlers, like, from Sam's Club. Because my mom always used to get those when we'd go on vacation. we just have, like, a big thing of Twizzlers in the car. And at first, it was, like, cool, like, candy. But eventually, it's like, you know, these aren't even my favorite candy. They're just here because they're, like, easily portable and they don't melt. And, like, now we just have to eat all of these Twizzlers before we can get new candy. And I'm fucking sick of Twizzlers. And that was, like, this book. I picked nerds because nerds have two sides of the box with different flavors. And usually both of the flavors are kind of gross, but sometimes one is a little bit grosser. In this case, that is Jacob. Um, Also, you don't really have to choose. You could just mix them together, but nobody seems to ever do that. (laughs) For similar reasons, I went with Mike and Ike's because they're gross and people try to claim one is better than the other, but they're both basically just gross. (laughs) Kate, when I was in when I was in Peace Corps, I really craved Mike and Ike's, and they kept getting trying to tell people to send me them because like, oh, can I send you a care package? And I was like, yeah, send Mike and Ike's. And people kept fucking sending me Skittles and Starburst, and I was like, this is not the same. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably a parallel in here somewhere for that. I don't know what it is, though. So I chose Pop Tarts because you eat Pop Tarts when you're young and you don't really think about it, but then you eat them as an adult and people are like, oh, did you read the ingredients in that? Or maybe you should have a more refined breakfast like toaster strudel and you don't know where all this hate came from, but you just want to eat your fake candy masquerading as breakfast in peace. So true. Oh my God. Okay. Let's, that was good. Those are all good, good choices. Um, well, now we're going to play with the Rock, Paper, Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and then Caroline and Danielle will pick which would most enhance the book, or choose paper, which is to leave the book as is, and you can each vote separately. You do not have to come to consensus. All right. If Dwayne the Rock Johnson were in this book, he would be actually not in this book really a lot because he'd be the star of the spinoff story about all the shit going down elsewhere in Forks while the Cullens and Bella are running around having shenanigans. Uh, He'd be a teacher at the high school and he'd be counseling Angela and Jessica and Ben and Mike Newton and all the people who go to the school through their last year of high school. And they'd all have rich inner lives off of the page and the rock would be our window into them and throughout the story we get glimpses of bella and the collins running around in the background kind of like the episode of buffy called the zeppo (laughs) um and that would really just basically be the whole story would be like the rock and these kids and their rich inner lives and you know bella and edward and jacob could carry on with their uh histrionics in the background because who cares (laughs) Cool, good. If Wolverine were in this book, he'd be a Civil War soldier, even though he's Canadian. There's precedent. And he'd meet up with Jasper and help fight bad vampires, along with Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. 
It would be fucking rad as hell. Jasper would not be quite so emotionally damaged. And that would be the entire book. Just Civil War vampire antics. Okay, I vote for Civil War vampire antics. That was easy. Yeah. No offense to The Rock <laughs> counseling teenagers, which sounds great. Again, no offense to The Rock counseling teenagers, but <laughs> as a black person, I would love to watch Civil War vampire antics as long as it were people fighting for the North, murdering, slave-owning Southerners. Woohoo! I mean, I, I can't. I would watch that, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, because Jasper was actually Confederate in the book, but I think with Wolverine and Abraham Lincoln's influence, he would, like, I think it was just like an accident of geography that Jasper yeah. was a Confederate yeah. soldier. And he was totally cool, like partnering up with this Mexican woman. So he's probably fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, he didn't mind leaving the Confederates in order to join the vampire army. <laughs> right. So. Yeah. Cool. Well, good game, everybody. <laughs> Let's wrap this up with the moral of the story. My moral of the story is ban men. <laughs> Mine is oh. ban men of all species. <laughs> Mine is going to be werewolves can survive anything but the French. So. Uh. <laughs> Mine is when you're the baddest bitch in town, everyone will hurt themselves to give you what you want. <laughs> I, I really enjoy. I really enjoy your, your advocacy for Bella. I appreciate that. <laughs> It's fine. Those are all good morals. They're all good morals. Everyone's been drinking. Oh, uh, yeah. My, my, moral, my moral of the story of this podcast is hydrate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, now we will move to Duarte's corner, where my cat Duarte will give his opinions on Eclipse. Yeah, Dorothy, I think that you're right. I think you said this about New Moon, too, but I think you're just always right that the werewolves, it would be way better if they were, like, were-panthers or were-cats <laughs> of some sort. And I totally understand you being upset that they kill so many mountain lions, and I get that you want to seek revenge on the Cullens. I kind of want to seek revenge on a lot of the Cullens just because I don't like them that much, except Alice, who, as previously stated, could dress me up like a three-dimensional paper doll, and I'd be okay with that. She could dress you up in her love. Um, yeah. Also, by the way, for real, though, like, the Cullens are not good for the ecosystem because there's not very many predators in one area, and, like, they're very important to maintaining the food chain, and they're just gonna, like, kill all the predators, and everywhere around the Cullens is gonna be fucking overrun with rabbits, and I don't think they've thought this through. Why don't they I go love after rabbits, prey though. animals? Why don't they go after prey animals? It makes no sense. Yeah, like, I mean, for variety, just eat, like, 20 rabbits. That's probably the same. I don't know. 50 rabbits. I don't care. Think about your actions, Cullens. Jesus. Okay, uh, I guess that's my closing thought. Do any, anybody else have other closing thoughts? <laughs> I think we've covered it really well. Oh, we've covered so yep. much. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, then we have an announcement or closing thought. If anybody has listened through all of this... Yeah, it's real great. I can't believe we decided to wait till the drunk episode to announce this. What the fuck I were we thinking? thinking <laughs> like, nobody's gonna still be listening to this. We're gonna have to do this again in the next episode. Fuck. Yeah. As the podfic Rebecca, I'm sorry that you had to edit all of this. If you need help, <laughs> Kate and Renata have my email address. <laughs> 
Which, well, I guess that does segue nicely to what we want to say, which is we are launching a Patreon account where where you guys can give us money if you would like to do that. Yeah, there'll be a link to it on the website. I think it's patreon.com slash worst bestsellers. Um, essentially what Patreon is, there's a video about this up on the website. It's really good. You should oh watch my God. it. We, we fucking a lot of work nailed the video. We fucking nailed We did. It. We nailed it. We nailed it. <laughs> but you set up a small recurring monthly donation. The money comes to us. It's kind of like Kickstarter or GoFundMe, um, but it happens every month. And the money will go towards things like as... Um, Renata implied paying our editor Becca who right now edits for several hours every episode out of the goodness of her heart and the desire to learn a new skill and we would like to compensate her it will go towards things for us like buying new recording equipment money for when we have to buy books when um, there's a too long a wait list at the library or the libraries don't have them or can't get them in time Um, But also it will go towards new things for you, like bonus episodes or paying a designer to create a rock, paper, snicks logo, which we will then put on merchandise for you. I might Um, get it. I might get it tattooed on myself. (laughs) (laughs) So there's benefits for you and there's benefits for us. And depending on how much you donate, there are additional benefits for you, uh, like getting care packages or notes in the mail or reader's advisory tailored to your own tastes. So we'd really appreciate it if you could do this. We've been doing this for two years now. We put a lot of time and effort into it, especially Renata and Becca. And it would be great to just get a little bit of a kickback for all of the time that we take out of our lives and all of the money that we pay out of our pockets in order to do this. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Plus cat food for Duarte. Yes. (laughs) Of course. Cool. So, yeah, you can get that information. You can get everything that we're about to tell you at worstbestsellers.com, and that's probably the easiest thing. But if you like complicated things, you can <laughs> instead choose to follow us on Twitter at worstbestseller with no S, because we're drunk and we forgot the S, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or worst. Worst bestsellers on Facebook spelled normally. Worst bestsellers on Goodreads spelled normally. Uh, you can drive to us on Stitcher or iTunes or Google Play. Um, if there's another podcatcher that you like, let us know. We'll see what we can do. Oh, yeah, I heard they have, I heard they have podcasts on Spotify now, but I haven't looked into it. Okay, cool. Well, I don't know how Spotify works because I'm an old. <laughs> well, but maybe I, next year. <laughs> If you do subscribe to us on any of those things, please rate and review us. It pushes us up in the charts so other people can find us. And it is particularly important after episodes like this where we're just crazy and drunk because we need to prove to them through your reviews that you will leave that sometimes we're sober and we sort of make sense. (laughs) In two weeks, you guys, in two weeks, we're going to read A is for Alibi by Sue Grafton and we'll probably be pretty sober for it. Yes. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at 14across. Oh, yeah. You can follow me at Renata Snacks. I've been locked because I've been job hunting. I'll probably unlock soon because I got a job and uh, probably I can't incriminate myself anymore. I don't know. (laughs) You can follow me on Twitter at Doc Hoot. It's a remnant of when I was in Doctor Who fandom. So (laughs) that is 
D-O-C-W-H-O-O-T. I mostly tweet about, right now, I'm rereading the Captive Prince books, and they oh are amazing and <laughs> painful, and I love them. But mostly, I just tweet about how teaching kids is difficult and how feminism is excellent. Hooray! I am Caroline Pruitt. My name spelled out on Twitter. I do not use it for much of anything these days, but I'm sure I will get back to that at some point. So, Woo! Oh my god, we did it, you guys. We did it! Yeah. Congratulations, Woo. everyone. I'm barely drunk. I probably won't spend all of tomorrow puking, which is good, because <laughs> I don't think any new cast recordings are dropping on NPR <laughs> to make the day bearable. I'm a little drunk, and I might have some regrets tomorrow. But you know what, you guys? <laughs> YOLO and less a vampire. And I'm not a vampire. <laughs> I guess it's time to go now. Yes, thanks so much, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Guys. You guys so are excited. Here. We love you. Thank you for Bye. making me your recurring Twilight enthusiast. Oh, Bye. Yeah, we're so good. And Danielle, you're such a good addition to this. This is a yes. dream team. Great. Thank High you fives all for joining us. <laughs> thank you guys for letting me push into your podcast. No, yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, this is just getting circular now, so I guess I'm just, I'll just say goodbye. Bye! Ugh! Vampires.